Hello, and welcome back to the Arc of E podcast. My name is Noah. And my name is Gavin. And we're the Blanchard Brothers here with part three, the Ooh. grand finale yes. of our year-end wrap-up pods, talking about movies. Why we saved it for last, I'm not quite sure, uh, except that's the main focus of this podcast, so there you go. Yeah. Weird year for movies. Very. I'm going to put out the hot take that this was a very weird year for movies. Yeah. We will we'll talk about some of the issues surrounding the film industry. We will give our top tens. We will give our extended honorable mentions. Tell you where you can watch all of these things because I think a majority of them are just straight up available at home, <laughs> as, as yeah. are most things. Uh, but yeah, this was a year obviously where we we kicked it off with like, dude, I'm not I get may, may show up on list whatever. We're gonna say movie titles because that's that's yeah. that time. We, we start off the year with Bad Boys for Life. We're feeling good. We're excited about the year in cinema. Yeah. And that was uh, one of the last three or four things that I saw in a theater mm-hmm. before. Still before number one. a huge gap. And now, again, I have been to the movies uh, several times over the last couple of months because there's nobody there. Yeah. And I just wear a mask and I, you know, wash my hands and I, I've been good. So there we go. Just saw a movie last week, actually. What did you I don't know see? if we talked about it. Uh, a movie that's not on my top ten. Okay. Uh, Freaky with oh. Vince Vaughn. Dude, I've been wanting. Ah, man, I've wanted to rent it. And it was definitely a case where, like, I basically paid as much as I would have to have rented it at home. Uh, but yeah, it it was fun. It was a good time. I will watch it again at just, some point. Just in case you're you're wondering, Bad Boys for Life still top domestic box office. Yeah. Right behind 1917. Tis the king. Where's Tenet on that list? Out of curiosity. Not in the top ten, that's for sure. Okay. Uh, yeah. The The subtitle for my list this year is 41 movies Number that 14. are better than Tenet. Why don't you call it 14 movies that are better than Tenet because... Well, I have 41 of them. Well, it's the flip, but Tenet <laughs> is number 14 on the box office this year. Oh, okay. Domestic. Now, I don't know about international. We're not worried about international because it doesn't matter. Because this is America. Yeah. God damn it. This is America. Uh, <laughs> Okay. Don't get you slipping, though. So. Look what I'm whipping, though. You know, weird year. Weird year, yeah. The box office is in tatters. We pretty much covered it all right there. Right. So, on the new news front, just because you and I haven't talked about it on mic and I haven't really gotten your thoughts on it. Okay. Who do we not like this week? Oh, it's not an individual. Oh, okay. But the the, the HBO Max, uh, Warner Brothers, Kerfuffle, um, all of that stuff. Yeah. And the reactions to it. You, do you have any thoughts? You mean that, like, I'm going to get Wonder Woman on Christmas and then every well, again, day? Well, there's again, the, oh, there's obviously the consumer perspective, which is like, qui bono, who benefits? Uh, yeah. We do. <laughs> right. But, yeah, do you sympathize with these directors who, like, kind of without notice had their projects just like, hey, it's on streaming now? Did you? But here's um, the thing. Did you get your check? Did you get your check? I know. My I know you, singular check. No, I'm saying like, did you? No, no. Did you get your check for this movie? Oh, yeah. Did you? Like, secure- you got paid, right? Exactly. That's my thing. Here's the thing. And of course, there's all sorts of back end stuff that they right. just know is going to be, like, you know, technical. And to be clear, all of this, even the hurt feelings in the midst of it, it's all about money. It's literally all it is. So it's hard to get too upset when Do you're you talking know, about no, for the most part, millionaires. Um, it's just the same over. as baseball. It's just the same as all these sports things. Do you know? That adjusted, thanks to forensic accounting, Robin Hood Prince of Thieves 
didn't make any money. Therefore, Kevin Costner and Morgan Freeman both weren't able to collect a sizable chunk of money for their performances. Right. Right. It's all about forensic accounting. Yeah. You just say that like, oh, no, we still owe this guy. Yeah. In Uzbekistan who lent us A, B, or C. It's funny. Okay. We're just going to pull a thing from like a show I hope Netflix doesn't cancel, Ozark. There's an episode. You do realize the the most recent season you got, I believe, was the final season. Or the final one is coming up. They have announced the end of that show. Right. Yeah. There's one coming because I see on there now like it's official one more season. But there's, I think it's REO Speedwagon or some band they're trying to get him to do. And he's like, hey, could we throw in this, throw in that? And the roadie gets on, the manager gets on the phone. It's like, hey, this guy wants us to uh, wash him, launder some money for him. You guys down for another this? It's like, yep. Okay, cool. Click. The guy in the music industry knows what it is. You're just trying to wash your money through it. It's the whole premise of the, that uh, Canon documentary that the the guys in... Um, Golden Globus. Yeah, yeah. All they were doing was just, you know, wash, launder money. That's it. Yeah. And so the idea that, like, I get if you're a direct... Like, it's weird. Because musicians, all of them got in an uproar when Napster and Free Stuff came out. A lot of them. A lot of them. Specifically Metallica. Sure. But, like, now, you want your shit anywhere you can get it. Yeah. And the whole thing is, if if this happened to someone like Colt, uh, Colt Wolf, because I don't know about you, but I loved Chuck Hank and the San Diego Twins, and it's number one on my list. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you right now. But, like, if you are them, and you're, like, a tiny production studio, and you're throwing everything you have at it, if you haven't sold your movie, and you haven't gotten paid for it, and someone swoops in and messes with your deal, I could see that. Because, like, to me, that's, like, movies aren't cheap, but at the end of the day, we talk about with TV. It's the same thing with Netflix. There's tons of stuff out there that gets made. There's more and more streaming things that are going to happen. And at some point, I feel like it will be, like, a level playing field of, like, how I talk about you have kids in their rooms now, like, like, little Nas X we talked about a while back. He put something together and he's like a huge music star now but he came kind of just from relative obscurity you're going to get to the point with when it comes to making movies if we haven't gotten there already that like you're going to have people come out of the blue and give you things that you want to watch and so it's kind of like if you're, <clears throat> yeah it's like if you're mad about the if you are a big name director and you're mad about this and mad about the money remember that you are a starving artist at one point too and there are still plenty of them out there. And I guarantee you, a studio would be perfectly happy to just go ahead and not ask you to come back and do something and give somebody else a chance. I mean, your big guys are going to be fine. The big people who demand the big salaries, they're going to be fine. Nothing yeah. to worry about. No, again, we all benefit from right. this. And bottom line, theatrical distribution and exhibition is still going to be in tatters this time next year when all of these things were still going to be coming out. And right. it's like they've punted and punted and punted. And now they have one one studio in the midst of all of this decided, like, all right, we're just going to fucking bite the bullet. We're still putting every one of those movies out in theaters. And I would say maybe like half of that slate, if theaters are still the way they are currently, where there's nobody in them, but I feel safe going. I'll probably make the effort to go see those in person, but have, and then, you know, Oh, but it's on HBO max for like a month. So I can watch it again whenever I want to. Mm -hmm. And I'm, 
that's my thing is I'm like people who still want to have the theatrical experience are still having the opportunity to where movie theaters still exist. We have three left in my like 50 mile radius right now right around me. Um, that's down from like 15 or 20 to yeah. be clear. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's just, it Plus, makes sense to me. And it's like, day, again, it, it got me excited about the fact that I already have HBO max and like the stuff's just going to show up now. Exactly. Like, I was, that's, when, when that's Wonder it. Woman that's happened, all I was really like, all right, great. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I know what I'm going to do on Christmas, yeah. but you gotta think about it. And I would love it if somebody could show me the, the chart for it. Cause there, it exists out there and someone's, accounting department at warner brothers oh okay somebody's mad about this thing it's kind of hard to sell wonder woman toys when wonder woman isn't available to you right so if you don't have to spend the 20 dollars to go see wonder woman in the theater and you have a streaming service that you can watch it at home well doesn't that leave you like 20 dollars to go get your kids wonder woman toys or wonder woman you know, a Wonder Woman cut from Subway, whatever the hell they advertise with, like the money to be made, you're losing money from the marketing and the advertising dollars to come in, the toy rights, all that. Well, you're losing that thing. on the think, shelf, leaving it on about, the shelf. Think about also what you're saving in terms of the normal like package you would make exactly. of trailers and all of that. If it's all funneled towards this one thing and like you're doing the trailers in-house. Like, you're saving so much on the ad budget that you would normally need mm-hmm. for these giant, massive, $150 million-plus movies. You Like, you scale that back. Like, that, again, I I do not see... I know people are freaking out because they think, like, this is the future period. I do think at some point we'll get back to people feeling comfortable going into a theater in droves. And I think there will be movies there to draw them out. In the same way that they thought Tenet was going to be this, like, magic pill for everybody, and it totally wasn't, and it basically is part of why this decision was made in the first place. So it's kind of satisfying to see Christopher Nolan, like, literally, like, crying in public about it, essentially, and acting like a hurt girlfriend. It's very amusing. And, yeah. Well, and see, by that time, (laughs) we'll we'll just have it piped into our eyes, because we'll be so far along with technology. It's like, oh, I want to watch Tenet? Click. Oh, that was cool. Because you just, you Uh, have it... To be clear, it's it's also available on VOD like today, or yeah, maybe it, it was. Yeah, I think Wednesday yeah. was the drop. So, mm-hmm. if you want to have, if you want to watch Tenet at home, as as Christopher Nolan totally wants you to do, uh, check check it out. Yeah, only two movies on my list I saw in a the theater, so I'm pretty sure. You Interesting. Know they are. I mean, I'll mention as I go. I I think a few more, but a lot of uh, a lot of stuff that was streaming and or VOD rentals is mostly what made up my list. Okay. The one other bit before we jump into the list, and I totally want to kick this off. Uh, this just broke today, and I was just curious if you saw it. Did you hear the audio of Tom Cruise? No. I kind of want to play it for you. What do you say? So, they're shooting Mission Impossible 7 right, right. now. In the midst of the pandemic, of course. Uh-huh. Um, hold on just a moment. Did he have a Christian Bale freak out meltdown about someone not wearing a mask? I would love that. It's it's pretty great. What is that? What it is? Yeah. Damn it! I'm good. I swear to God, I haven't heard. I didn't know anything about this. I worked today. I worked today. Yeah, me too, buddy. I mean, I spent most of my work typing up this nice list, but you know, I did work today. <laughs> Vamp, please try and find the article. Vamp is like my least favorite Metal Gear Solid 
guy. I really, <laughs> I'm, I like the fortune angle is kind of nice. He's pretty cool. The transsexualism, that's provocative. Did you see that Hideo is in uh, 2077? I, Cyberfunk? I, I mean, not in person, but I did see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Here we, we are. We are loading. I can't wait for this. this is this like good or a bad thing? I mean, I was very happy with Me, it. Okay, good. I was that's very what I'm I just a, wanted to get your reaction. I'm a little nervous because I hadn't heard about that's this. A, that's a movie star. What is this in response to? Somebody showing up late? Somebody taking their mask off? What happened? We don't know exactly what, but apparently it was like an escalating thing where like there had been instances of crew breaking the COVID protocol, which part of which he put in place because he's a producer on the movie. Right, yeah. He's got money on the line. He's got a lot of money on the line. Not that it matters to him on it. Like, but dude, I was like, dude, that's the best acting he's done in. Yes, and it was real and raw. I was like, "Dude, where is that guy on the movie screen? Like, can we bring him back? Can we go back to '99 and yeah. like early 2000s, please, sir?" I still love everything he's done recently, yeah. but that just that reinforced. I was like, "Dude, yeah, we we could talk about the Scientology you stuff all I day wanted, long." You know what I wanted? I though? just I I wanted him at the I end to be that. like. The show goes on. Like I just, I wanted the show goes on in there somewhere. 
But that is fucking, that like makes me so fucking happy and also like so fucking turned on at the same time, dude. <laughs> that guy fucks, man. Like, t- that's a fucking movie star. You take your hat off, son. That's a movie star. Like, Jesus. Like, because it's Can like. Can you imagine being the person on the receiving end of that where you're just like, he's by all accounts, regardless of, again, we could talk about all the crazy Scientology shit, but by all accounts, he is one of the most personable. Yes. Like nice guys yes. in person. You you have no and defense so to, to that. to see that switch get flipped, dude, I would be literally shitting my pants like on the spot and just like so apologetic. Like, sir, I'm so fucking sorry. But I would never fuck up the protocol in right. the first place. Exactly. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Okay. I thought you would enjoy that. that. I did not. I had that no is, idea uh, that was a that thing, That is dude. Tom Cruise's perspective on film production in the midst of a pandemic. And he is so fucking like on point with everything, though. Like... I get he he even says like I'll give like I will deal with you reasonably, but if you cannot get behind this, fuck you, you're gone. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's not even like firing anybody there. He's just literally laying down the law, like do not fuck up again or you're done. Yeah, like and you're gonna cost. I don't know what happened. You're gonna you did it. You're gonna cost this guy. It's leaked audio. It's not like like it's not something that was like this is meant for the public. This is literally him just like going off on his crew can you be imagine the person who leaked it like you think they're still working there do you, do you think they went to him afterwards like yo man i recorded all that like i'm gonna fucking i'm gonna put it know, out but there. you just you know now on the press tour for the next mission impossible he's definitely gonna have to answer some questions about this but it's also like what are you what are you mad about like what right. are you gonna what's the angle to ask how him you, about yeah, it how it's you like gonna, uh yeah. yeah i said some real shit sorry i curse so much yeah um, yeah Okay. They're just going to ask, like, Tom, any more outbursts? Any more problems? He's like, nope, I said it once. That's I all said, I needed yep. to say. And that's I, it. He's like, I think I pretty much said it all yeah. in that three-minute clip. Uh, okay, hope you enjoyed that. That was great. Good way to kick it off. It, uh, d- indeed. And I'm going to go ahead and say, I think you should lead off with this one. Give me your number 10 My... favorite film of 2020. Uh, a little film called Synchronic. Hell yeah. We talked about it recently. We did. It's a, it's a Wilbur and Bernstein joint. I still don't believe it's available VOD for people. Not yet. We saw it theatrically, independently yes. of each other, but we did see it in the theater. Yes. And uh, yeah, so keep an eye out for it. That's why we had a very spoiler-free conversation. But right. talk talk a bit about it. Um, I just, I'm really happy to, that someone's given Anthony Mackie another vehicle to, to lead. I think he's great. I did just see... A new updated trailer for uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Soldier. Looks like that's going to be great. Um, we really, we almost should probably. This is technically supposed to be the last podcast of the year, but we could do a whole podcast on the Disney and Marvel announcements from the last week because oh, yeah. the amount of Star Wars and Marvel stuff that we're getting in the next calendar year. I, I'm like, is there going to be anything else to watch on television? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, shit. What? Uh, yeah. Sorry. No, yeah, no. yeah. Um, com- You've said it before. Uh, got Kind of got to watch one or two of the other ones that they've yes. come out with to get this. And this, um, it just put to me. is. Uh, Wilbur and Bernstein. That's what I'm calling <laughs> them, dude. I get that it's Woodson. Justin or, Benson and Aaron Moorhead. Benson and Moorhead, Wilbur and Bernstein. Yes, Benson That's and cool. Moorhead. If they're listening, this was great, guys. Um, you guys are fantastic. Yes. We're pretty much like, yeah, everything you guys have done so far, I absolutely love. So yeah. just keep making more. <laughs> exactly. Um, I like the premise. It's a unique, unique take on traveling through time. Um, 
so many little intricate things that like could be bigger things, but you take them as they are and you just roll with it. But it leads such to such. Dis- I don't think I've discussed a movie so much with people this year about the possibilities that were there just through like little uh, threads of a shirt or something. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I don't know if we, I saw it with somebody and you saw it by yourself. And I mean, it's only really two people I've talked to the movie about the movie too. But just in my explanation of telling people what I saw, like when I went to work, they seemed intrigued. So I think when it hits VOD and people have I hope a chance, so. uh, I think it will definitely hopefully start a chain reaction of people checking out their earlier movies as well. I just don't know how you market to them unless up, you know, it just pops up for you next on streaming or whatever, but mm-hmm. let people know like this is part of a greater universe at this right. point. So there's more to explore if you want to, because it's just kind of pitched as like, this is the plot as opposed to like, this is the fourth, the culmination Benson of three, and Moorhead, yeah. like production. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyways, yeah. Number 10, very, very solid picks sir. Uh, my number 10 is Wendy from Mr. Ben Zeitlin. And this was one of the last two movies that I saw in the theater before the initial shutdown. I think before we continue, we have to say, if you saw it in theater, you have to say it like you just said. I saw it in the theater. I did. I I saw this one in the theater. Okay, there you go. Uh, The Terrace Theater, to be exact. I saw this, I believe, followed by Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which technically is not eligible for this list. We got it in 2020, but technically it's a 2019 release. Uh how so? Was it wide 2019 or was it in a it, film festival? It was New York and LA and it was in Europe. It had premiered and like played and everything. We just physically didn't get it here. But because of the way they do the weird Oscars and you can only submit one film from your country, which makes no sense to me whatsoever for the foreign language film, um, France decided to go with a different film. And it's like, if it was Portrait of Lady on Fire against Parasite, Parasite probably loses the foreign, mm-hmm. but still wins Best Picture. And like, I totally would have been fine with that. Anyways, I'm not talking about either of those movies. I'm talking about Wendy. Ben's Island did uh, Beast of the Southern Wild. Oh, okay. About a decade ago. Yeah, it's, it's been, been a, a minute. While. Yeah. Yes. Wendy is basically a modern reimagining, uh, reshuffle, remix wholly new interpretation of the Peter Pan story, essentially. Uh, does it feel, like, necessary? Does it feel necessary? Well, well you know, most critics and people who did happen to go see this, which was not many, uh, mm-hmm. while it had its brief theatrical run before it inevitably ended up on VOD for a very low rental price, they would argue, uh, no, that it was not worthwhile. I would completely disagree. The main criticism about this movie was that it was too much like Beast of the Southern Wild. And they were like, it's been a decade, man. This is only your second movie. Where's the growth? Uh And I did not understand that criticism at all. And also comparing it to one of the most unique and exciting indie movies of the last decade uh, as a negative. I I just I couldn't wrap my head around that one. I think it's as good, if not better than Beast of the Southern Wild kept me engaged the entire time the cinematography is gorgeous some of the effects in this movie were helped by uh old old uh coat wolf productions actually they did some second unit for him on this okay and yeah long long gestating project some people felt like it was not worth the uh the wait i completely disagree part of it was the magic of my private screening uh that i got to have for this one 
and it just it blew me away it brought me to tears i loved it uh it's a very cheap rental and i believe you can buy it for like five bucks right now uh on all of your normal vod services that's my number 10 wendy from mr ben's island i want to make sure i'm saying his name right because i haven't said it in a while oh okay and make sure that i'm thinking of the exact same director uh but yeah go for now go ahead and uh, hit me with your number nine my number nine is a little amazon movie called get duped Still have not gotten to it. Sell the people on it. It's it's on my list, but it this is, was not one that I felt like I absolutely had to get to. Yeah, for, no, I uh, get it. It yeah. is. Um, I don't know if this is indicative of like movies in Britain and like the UK. Like if this is the style is they the, make. Is this the year of England for Gavin? Is it maybe it for is you, personally? This is the year I go home. Yeah, this is <laughs> the year when Gavin finds his true inner Anglophile. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, but it's, well, they're in Scotland. So, like, is that even in England? That's, that's, it's the Scotland. As far as you're concerned, it is, it's, <laughs> it's all it's one all island. Same. It's uh, all as far one as you're island. concerned, to be yeah. clear. I know the difference, uh, and I would never confuse the two. Yeah, you cross into three. the north. I get it, Scott. I get it. Jerk <laughs> off. <laughs> um, you Tulsa. Um, so. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's a bunch of kids doing the Duke of Edinburgh Challenge. Turns out, like, the rich... What is the Duke of Edinburgh Challenge? Can you tell us that, or is it spoiling too much of the movie? It's just a... I don't know if it's a real... Is it a drinking contest? No. I don't know if it's a real thing. I think it actually may be a real thing. I don't know. I didn't look it up. It is basically like a Boy Scouts kind of guide thing. We have to go into the highlands and go to certain places and do stuff, like... To complete a journey. Now, all of them... Three of them are there because they're fucking terrible kids. They're just like... The annoying like British youth that you would right. be like, oh these fucking kids. But one of them is a Boy Scout, like fucking loves it, doesn't do drugs, okay. isn't a DJ, is it comes from a good home and whatnot. And all of a sudden, like someone's out there trying to kill them, and they're like, oh shit, <laughs> and they don't know who it is. Okay. They can't tell, and it's just it's a fucking wild comedy. You talked about they've been in the Run the Jewels video, the actors who were in it. I think you would enjoy it and get a kick out of it. So I definitely want you to. I'm getting I'm getting hints of like a like a British version of the pest. Maybe yeah, a little bit. <laughs> but if you split um, Pistario so, Vargas up into like four different speaking, characters, speaking of which, the pest has to be a two by two retro. Review yes, sometime in early 2021. Let's do that. I'm I'm game. Talk about a podcast. No Why don't one we wants, do that but one? We are tailor made for. Let's do that one with minute by minute. No, no. Let's do okay. that one with like was almost latest one because that one sounded really good. With him as the teacher. Yeah, I don't know the name of it off the top of my head, but it's been on a bunch of people's list because he's done a, a lot of amazing shit since he's, the past. He's dude. one of our boys. I know from the, from from the, the early days of watching movies together. Yeah. Leguizamo's like a, like he's god tier level for sure. Oh, he's, definitely. He's up on the, the top pedestal. Yeah. Love Johnny Legs. Okay. Um, yeah. get duped. You gotta, you gotta watch. I it, gotta guys. get duped, man. Yeah. I gotta get duped. Eddie Izzard's in it. Amazon Prime, correct? Prime. It's a Prime movie. Yeah. It's free if you have Prime. Go watch it. It's on Prime right now. Eddie Izzard. Yeah. Yes. Um. Oh, yeah. And then what? Uh, he's in like every fucking thing. It's very helpful. Scottish gentleman. He looks like he'd be Tormund Giants Bane's father. Brendan Gleeson? No, not him. The other one. He's in Braveheart. The big red. Brendan Gleeson? No, not Brendan Gleeson. I will find it for you. Um, the, yeah, the guy who's not Brendan Gleeson is in this. Um, and it's just, it's wild. But it's one of those. It's Donald all, Gleeson? Donald <laughs> Gleeson. What's the other one? There is one more. I can't remember his name. He's the less famous one. He's in here somewhere. Let me find him. Because you're going to. Uh, James Cosmo. This dude. The Hold on a moment. Let me take a look. You know him. He was. 
You know who that is. Yeah. Yeah. You don't know what his name is. Yeah, I don't. Anyways, okay, yeah. he's in it. Cool. I will check it out. It's well, yeah, definitely worth your time. I, uh, I, yeah, definitely did not see. You know, I had a nice smattering of comedies that I enjoyed this year, but only one that cracked the top ten. Oh, okay. I have a and couple we'll, comedies. And we'll talk here. about it in a minute or two. My number nine is never, rarely, sometimes, always. We talked about it way, way earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, just super hard-hitting little indie movie about kind of the state of what it takes to get an abortion when you don't live in a state that has legalized abortion. Uh, hmm. And it's t- it'll it'll tear your heart out in the best possible way. It is so grounded and naturalistic. Fantastic performances, top to bottom. Not a fun watch, but also not, like, not unbearable where you, like... It's not one of those either. It's just kind of note-perfect, uh, but basically girl has an unwanted pregnancy i won't get into the details of that i'll let you discover that in the movie and she can't get one legally in the state that she lives in so she has to go to new york city uh to find a clinic essentially but she can't bring her parents so she and her i don't it's either her cousin or they're just best friends i forget honestly but so these two young girls are like maybe ninth tenth grade i'm not sure i forget uh have to navigate New York and that whole process and like what happens when you don't have a place to stay and you're in a city that you don't know and you know you have nobody there to like reach out to all of that stuff fantastically done and I highly recommend I think it uh I think it's still a rental I don't know that it's free streaming anywhere now but highly recommend it uh just Lots of feels in that one, but a hmm. very, very good one. Uh, never, rarely, sometimes, always. That's my number nine. Okay. But yeah, easiest way to see it, VOD, I believe, for the time being. My number eight is a little Netflix movie called The Five Bloods. Table it. I figured you would want to do that. Let's move on to your number eight. My number eight. Uh, this is the only like out-and-out comedy in my top ten. It's available on Hulu. It's picked up from, I believe, Sundance. I think, I think it was Sundance. It was like the highest acquis- like dollar amount acquisition by sixty nine cents. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Is this? Uh, do I need to table it or you can I say what it? You probably should. Yeah, you okay. probably really should. Yeah, I'm gonna put it on the table then. So we'll skip uh, back over to you for your number seven. seven? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> My number seven is Borat. Subsequent movie film or make bribe for once glorious nation of Kazakhstan, whatever it's presentation, presentation, ceremonial you know, monkey to yeah, yeah. premier Mikhail Pence. Yeah. Yeah. Or any of the other brilliant titles that they throw out throughout, throughout the movie. It. Yes. Again, we've talked about it a few times. It yeah, it's come up at least three or four times. Yeah, I feel like, why it's last, my number seven. like since it came out. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, just the, the, the comedy in it is amazing. I'll say again, the ending is fucking perfect for me. Everyone I've watched is just like, yeah, it was like, it was just like kind of like having an old friend back for like lunch or something. It was just like kind of like (laughs) dipping back in. And it's like almost like perfectly what we needed right now. Like we didn't need a new Sasha Baron Cohen character. Yeah. It was enough to be like, 
okay, shit's fucked up. Like, it was getting bad, but now we're, you know, to come in the same year that he's kicked out of office, like, or excuse me, elected out of office, like, I think it's great. Yeah. You know? I mean, the main thing that I feel like you and I keep coming back to in our conversations about it, and you just kind of hit on it again, it was like just meeting an old friend again, and I loved how much Borat there was still in there, and I just found myself less and less focused on the gags and the bits and just like I forgot how much I just like hearing him talk or like yeah. hearing mm-hmm. the stupid misogynistic jokes that are like pitched at the exact right speed, like all of that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And again, the just the quality writing and the improvisation, like in moments, is just it's, there's there's nobody else quite like him. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the highest compliment I could pay it is given the huge gap and what a huge impact it had when the first one came out. Like you know. It's a cultural phenomenon. Oh, yes, definitely. And still quoted to this day. Um, to be able to come back and, like, is it just not really, like, piss off anybody? You know what I'm saying? There, I'd never heard the take of, like, oh, this was horrible. Like, I, why did they do this? You know, t- totally sucks compared to the original. It seems like everybody was pretty much like, we've been hey, waiting by on it. The, by the way, we got it for free. We didn't know it was coming until, like, two weeks before it came out. And it's pretty good. And I laughed a lot. And it, made, it took my mind off of some of this stuff, but also reminded me about the severity of it, but, like, kept it light the whole time. Right. And, I mean, yeah. like like I've said before, that man stood up in front of everybody beginning of this year and railed about, like, social media and how, you know, essentially back in the 40s, if there was Facebook, Facebook would have taken Hitler's money. Yeah. And then, like, <laughs> eight months later, but I have this new Borat movie. Why don't you check it out? It's like, did you just disappear for three months and shoot this and then edit it in, in like, four, and now it's for us? Because it feels like... I didn't yeah. see or hear from him after that conference anymore. Would love to see a, an entire doc. Oh, like dude, if they, I would Borat love at two point five, where they, oh my uh, god, dude. they just show us the behind the scenes yeah, of how the hell they great. did it. But I also don't want the magic ruined at the same yeah. time. Yeah. All right. So your number seven. My number seven, unless you squeeze this one in, hopefully will not be tabled. It's possessor uncut. I wish from Mr. Brandon Cronenberg. You've already sold me on it. Yes. I don't need you to sell me on it. I know you don't need me to sell you on it. I will just remind people, this is Brandon Cronenberg's second feature. It stars one of our favorites around here, Andrea Riseborough. Oh Another one of our favorites, Christopher Abbott, who's recurred quite a bit. One of my favorite actors of his generation. And you got Jennifer Jason Lee hanging around. And so I have oh, z- we were literally, just about her. literally no complaints. Yeah, we were talking about Rush downstairs before we started this. Definitely due for a Rush rewatch. Okay. Uh, the basic setup, uh, semi-futuristic, but not quite, um, assassins essentially that operate by possessing other individuals, literally like taking over their mind and controlling their body to make them do things that they do not want to do, um, which usually consists of them murdering somebody that needs to be murdered in particularly violent fashion. Uh, it is brutal. clean getaway. It is, yes, uh. Or an unclean getaway dude, in the I'm, case of this one thing that goes awry. I'm, dude, so, I'm, I'm going to have to rent it. Like, I might just buy that shit, dude. Like, seriously. It's $10. I might just do that. Just pick it up. I, re- I highly recommend it to anybody who likes sci-fi horror, good solid thrillers. And again, not to put down you know, some movies to, to praise and raise up others. But I talked about this at the time because I saw them very close together. This is a very high concept movie that mm-hmm. has a lot of different stuff going on that is very confident in the way it presents itself to you. Uh-huh. Tenet is a movie that's very high concept, that has a lot of shit going on, that is so worried 
that you're not going to enjoy the ride if you don't have all of this fucking exposition piled on you, that it just like crumbles under the weight of all that exposition. To, for me, personally. You know what should happen, though? The next one he makes, he should just have Michael Caine pop up on the bottom right of your screen and tell you what you need to know. I would so love, in this scene, you I need would to love, see. You need and to know. Chris, I know you're. I know you're listening. Yes. And I've been a little rough to you this year, but I just want you to know this. What you need to do is you need to get Michael Caine, and you need to. I mean, he did it. He's done it several times at this point. But you need to do the definitive old man British gangster movie. Yes. With one last ride with Michael Caine, and you need to like win him an Oscar, and you need to dial it back and make a really like gr- ground level, solid dark thriller like Memento or like Insomnia, you know, those movies you made like really early in your career that are really, really fucking good and aren't like completely disappeared up their own asshole, incepted into their, their (laughs) asshole. Um, yeah, you do that and maybe just like stop complaining about theatrical exhibition, make a really, really good movie. Um, and don't spend $240 million to do it. And then we can talk, man. Then maybe I'm back on board, baby. Because, I mean, right now, that that James Bond 1917 guy, he's got you beat. Sam, what's his face? Sam Mendes. Mendes, he's got you beat, dude. And he's got his own issues. But I still, if I had to, well, I don't know. I like more Nolan movies than I like Mendes movies, but... That's another conversation. Or for maybe they Woodward, Woodward and Bernstein and they make one together. The Nolan and Mendes? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I feel like those are two big personalities. I mean, it, one might be able to influence the other in ways we don't know, Noah. Who knows? Um, to be clear, my number seven was Possessor Uncut, yeah. which is readily available for rental or for purchase. I'm just going to go buy it. Where, uh, wherever. Happy Christmas to VOD me. is available. It's also going to be, I think it's already on Blu-ray. Might you want to pick up the, uh, the old 4K? Highly recommend it. One of the most gorgeous-looking movies uh, I've seen all year. And I'm glad that I got to see it in a theater. I, yep. I, so that, Say so that far, one more time. So far, that is two on the list that I saw in theaters. Two of my top ten so far. Right. That was my number seven, Possessor Uncut, Brandon Cronenberg. Uh, fucking just masterful movie. Can't wait to see what he does next. My number six... It's a little Hulu movie, a little comedy from Hulu. I believe, okay. it's, I believe it's on the table. Well, maybe we can take it off unless you're talking about Happiest Season. No. Okay. Okay. Won't you Pretty say good the, movie, by y- the way. Yeah, you say the first word, I'll say the, the second word. Go for it. The movie, Palm. Springs. Okay. Boom. Done. All right. We talked about it earlier. We did. We did an interview. But again, uh, you know, a lot, I've noticed we do get an uptick on like our year end episodes because mm-hmm. people like lists and they like just like, guys, just fucking boil it all down. And I'm going to listen to it here. I don't need to hear all the extra bullshit exactly. throughout the year. So with that in mind, yes, we have talked about it, but refresh people's memory. Woman goes to her sister's wedding yes, and unfortunately gets stuck in a time loop yes. with Andy Samberg. It's Groundhog Day. It's Groundhog Day at a wedding and... It's a modern take on Groundhogs. Right, yeah. That's pretty much the, the simplest version and of J.K. it. And J.K. Simmons. But it shows, yes, a lot of great cameos and flat out the funniest movie I saw all year. Um, it's. I concur. <laughs> no, I do. I've, not, I've <laughs> got to double check his list. But I got, I, well, I've got a couple that I thought were funnier, but like they didn't make the, they didn't make the list. Well, I love Groundhog Day. It's a fucking masterpiece. It's one of my favorite movies. But it shows how, you know, it seems like an easy pitch. 
oh, it's like Groundhog Day, but this or that. And they've done it with horror movies. They've done it with action movies, etc. And it's like dipping into this territory where it's just like, we're going to make another essentially romantic comedy with this conceit. But it shows how malleable this concept is and really you can apply it to and how you play with it. Oh, yeah. Especially knowing kind of the established, like there's a certain amount of like discovering the rules and then figuring out the rules, which is some of the most fun stuff of the movie. Oh, yeah. That's your, I mean, that's Uh, your bread and butter right there. The montages of the rules is amazing. And it's gorgeous looking. It hit at a time when like people had been in lockdown for a while, so it was you nice to just see outdoors, like a big yeah. open space, gorgeous pools, cinematography. Like it's really great. Yes, and again, a lot of heart to it as well. One of my favorite romantic comedies just ever at this point, and like I said, the funniest movie I saw all year personally. Yeah, uh, Palm Springs uh, to refresh your memory was gonna be my number eight if you would have let me talk about it. But okay. So that was your number six? Yes. So back to me for my number six? Yes. All right. Uh, My number six is from Miss Kelly Reichert. It's called First Cow. I believe we also talked about it a bit earlier in the year. To refresh your memory, this is uh, set in the the early days of... Oh, my God. Let me just get you a date. Let me get you a plot description from old IMDb. Sponsored by IMDb. All right. Excuse me. This is kind of the Oregon Territory Gold Rush era, you know, bursting into America. Everybody's trying to get land. Everybody's trying to, like, what's the next thing? Get rich quick, etc. And... It's, it's going to sound so boring, but it's about these two two guys who happen to find and meet each other. And they start a little business selling different desserts and pastries made with the milk of the only cow in the territory. Oh. That they surreptitiously gain access to uh, in the evenings. They straight up steal this cow's milk and make delicious treats with it and then sell it to people. And they got their, you know... They got their upstart entrepreneur, like, go out and make you, make something of yourself, American ingenuity. Mm-hmm. But, of course, this cow doesn't belong to them. So, trouble ensues. Oh. Um, movie moves at its own unique pace. A cow's it, pace, if you will? Theoretically. <laughs> theoretically. Uh this is my first Kelly Reichert movie. It will not be my last. I now have to dive back through like all of her stuff. Uh, Meek's Cutoff, Wendy and Lucy, Night Moves, not the Gene Hackman one. Oh, um, yeah, a lot of good movies to choose from apparently, but this was the first one I, I dove into and I was just like, holy shit. Again, slow burn, moves at its own pace, has a very like just a quiet beauty to it. I love all the performances, really sets you in the time and place. Um just one of the most like i'm just there like mm-hmm. you just kind of feel like you're just slightly off off camera just sitting there watching these all of this stuff play out and uh i don't want to spoil it but it has i kind of have to think about it as i work my way through the list it has maybe my favorite ending of the year okay uh like final shot final moments just incredible stuff uh highly recommend it not for everybody. It's one of those that like you're going to see on a lot of year-end lists and people are going to tell you it's incredible because critics absolutely love it. And then you might watch it and be like, oh, what the hell? I feel like you, 
you will vibe with this one. I'm sure, I yeah. feel like you'll get into it. But yeah, that's First Cow from Kelly Reichert, and that is my number six. Okay, so we're going to my number five. Getting into the, the meat of it now. Into the top five, and we, we did it before yeah. we're even an hour into the podcast. Yeah, I know, we got, we are ooh, got a lot of time. at a brisk pace. At a brisk pace. My number five is... Scotchy, scotchy, scotchy. Sorry, go ahead. My, my, I was going to do a whole voice. My number five is the rental. Do the whole voice. My, my number five is the rental. Okay. The, uh, the Dave Franco film, that? The Rental. <laughs> what voice is that? It's comic like a, book guy from The Simpsons? It's, like a, it's a mix of uh, like Adam Shanner and the comic book guy from The Simpsons. Zippity-doo. The Rental. The Rental. Dave Franco's The Rental. Five. Hell yeah. I'd like to see it. Uh, what? You haven't seen it? No, i like to see it. i like to see you putting putting oh, genre oh, oh, stuff yeah, this yeah. high in the list oh I, dude I, I mean everything from it man the idea uh, the idea that it's a first time thing from dave franco no knowing with, the, the, with a little little help from joe schwanberg a little I'm sure. bit yeah but like but knowing like you know the premise behind like why he wanted to make it with kind of some stuff he ran into on on vacations as well and the the idea that that industry is like I feel like really underregulated. Like, there's not a lot in oh, yeah. rental. Like, you, it's like one of my favorite songs I found this year. Play at your own risk. Like, you know, it's an older song. It's a, yeah, no. Anyway, it, but it's one of those Airbnb like Airbnb is kind of uncharted territory yeah. for just social interaction in general. I right. personally have never been in one, except for wait. It's, was technically was that a Airbnb, yes, that was an Airbnb, Airbnb last at, year um, mm-hmm. for my birthday last year? Yeah, the place we found well, that, because, was, that was sick. Yeah. Um, and that's the that, see, that's the appeal of it. It's like that is, but Noah, did we go through that house and look at the footage on the cameras? Do we no. even know if there were cameras in it? We don't. No. Because you don't think about that. Yeah. And the idea that this movie plays with that and you talk about endings, dude. That yeah. fucking ending, mm-hmm. man. Makes like, I mean, doesn't it make is, the movie, but it, but it takes makes it, it all the it, more it unsettling. It such a great note, a right? Great, and we we won't totally spoil it. For no, people, I'm not gonna spoil it. For I've heard a lot of mixed reactions to this one, and I just don't quite get it. I was like, dude, this is like textbook stuff. It hits all the beats. I want something like this to hit. I do, I don't know why. I mean, it has my boy. Yeah, I mean, it did really. Dan Stevens. It has Stevens. your boy, Toby Huss. Oh yeah, I mean he's fucking short. <laughs> one I guess Toby he's Huss one is of my boy. He's one of them. I, I don't do know. like him quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I and I think part of it, obviously, like it did have a really solid what amounts to a solid theatrical run this year. Because he did it's it all like, in drive, drive-ins, yeah. And that was where real, it's like, yeah. It's something new for people to go see, and people sought it out. But I don't know why it didn't have more of a thing behind it. Except I can say I feel like if instead this got picked up for like it's a prime original. Or it's yeah. shutter, or shutter pays yeah. top dollar for it, or something like that. I feel like if it has some presence on one of these services beyond being just like, okay, here's a VOD movie that is a rental. We gotta rent the rental, and you check out the trailer, and you're like, well, do I want to spend like? Because from the trailer, it's like, okay, I know the beats of this. It feels pretty conventional, essentially, for like this sort of movie, and so it's literally going to be like, do I want to see these people in it? Right, and. I, Allison Brie definitely has more more viewers because of something like Glow, for instance. Mm-hmm. Dan Stevens, I feel like, is becoming more and more of a name yes. person. I know he is for a lot of people, but I'm saying. But then you do have two supporting who maybe aren't as familiar. So maybe it's a tough sell for people just to... Because there's a lot of people at home who are like, 
well, shit, I'm really weighing my decisions when it comes to what I'm going to rent because I don't know where my next check is coming from. I only got one of those stimulus checks, and they're still fighting over the other one, so what am I going to do? Exactly. So I I don't know. Part of me thinks if it had just like popped up on a service, it would have had a little bit more of an impact, but I just feel like nobody really talked about it this year really well, at yeah all. nobody really did but i mean of the top lists i've seen it's not nowhere near anybody's top 10 but it's definitely on the like top 50 which i feel like for a big publication a 50 is a good it's not bad to be on someone's year in list at all if they're a decent publication yeah. um could you can you like send people movies and stuff does amazon let you do that because that would be a dope thing to do. It's like, hey, man, like I watched... watch share it. Not watch share, but like, I, I've, I've watched this. I think it's great. I want you to watch it so much, I'm going to send it to you... Send you a digital... For my, like... next, for my next day. Like, I get two days. I watched it. I got this many hours left. Take it and watch it. Because at that point, you're, I not, mean, you're not extending any time on right. it. Right. I mean, that would be cool, but I guess the work... I know that does not exist, but I guess the workaround is you just give your friend your password. Okay, <clears throat> Bezos. And then you change it the Shh. next day. Bezos. Definitely listen. Are you listening? 100%. Dude, him and Chris get together. Yes. And they, they listen to listen. it on, like, Sonos speakers. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this podcast brought to you by Sonos. Bezos, if you're listening, I know you are, but... Notice that Sonos instead of Amazon Alexa speakers. Right. It's like in private. That's a he, funny act, joke, he doesn't dude. use that shit. Right. He's he's a Bose guy. Come on, dude. He's, <laughs> he's a Bozeman. <laughs> Bezos the Bose guy? Come on, dude. Bezos Bozeman. the Bozo? He's a Bozeman. Yeah. Bezos Bozeman. Anyway. Hey, me. I'm a Bozeman. <laughs> if you're listening, Jeff, you need to do video share. Okay? I'm telling you. It's the video wave of the future. Video share does exist for some there, there's the functionality to do like watch parties because people were doing it with the boys and a couple other things. But I think you all have to have Prime. I don't right. think there's you can't just send a link to somebody. I think you all have to be in the e- ecosystem, if you will. Oh, I'm, I'm not even thinking link. I'm thinking just like send me an access code and it's available to Dude, me for an hour. Pitch him on it. Yeah, you I know, am right now. I'm sure he would love to hear about it. Yeah. So um, my brother <laughs> Jeff, my brother is saying that you would love this. So just think about it and. The email is thearchivy at gmail.com. Yeah. And while for, you're at it, tell Chris to chill the fuck out. Oh, yeah, dude. Okay. Yeah. Calm down, brother. And, you know, um, also, I really would love it for Christmas if you would just go ahead and pick up Mindhunter. Just go ahead and take it from the guys at Netflix and just give it another season. Okay, anyway, your top number five, Noah. Uh, my number five is Mangrove from Mr. Steve McQueen. It's available on Amazon Prime. This is the first film in the Small Axe film series. Oh, five yeah, yeah, films okay. that Steve McQueen put together for Amazon. The last one has yet to come out. It's entitled Education. I'm going to watch it tomorrow night because they come out technically the Thursday before Friday. But they come out on Friday for most people. Um, this is the only one that cracked my top ten. But all of the ones I've seen thus far, all four, are in my greater, you know, good to great list. Mm-hmm. We'll get into those a little later. Mangrove concerns the Mangrove 9, a case I was completely unfamiliar with. It stems from a uh, demonstration that took place in 1968 in England uh, in a neighborhood near the Mangrove restaurant. The restaurant had been basically hassled for months on end by the um, predominantly, almost entirely white police force um, that were basically trying to force... uh, these immigrants out of this neighborhood where they had set up a restaurant that was a huge hit that served uh, like West Indian cuisine 
did not serve like traditional British food, but was feeding the immigrant population that lived there. But they were determined to brand it as a, you know, oh, there's drugs being sold here and all this other stuff. Uh, some of which may have actually been going on, but that's kind of irrelevant. Uh, basically, things escalate. There's eventually a demonstration where they try and get the attention of the public by uh, staging a march, very similar to some of the things we saw on our televisions and possibly in person for some people throughout 2020 here in the U.S. Um, but basically, on the tail end of this, what is essentially deemed a riot after the fact, uh, nine people were apprehended in connection with inciting it and trying to incite violence, and they're brought up on charges and have to go to the British High Court, and then it becomes a legal drama for the back half of the movie. Hmm. And again, it's a case I had like zero familiarity with uh, going into it, and it was just flat out like each, each one of the five so far, and I don't think this is necessarily intentional, but each one of them kind of fits into a subgenre, mm-hmm. and it's kind of almost McQueen being like, you think you kind of have me pegged, off of the four movies I've done so far, which Widows is kind of a huge departure from um, Hunger, Shame, 12 Years a Slave. Tonally, visually, like, it's definitely, it's him stretching his legs. But Mangrove's essentially a legal drama, and by just those standards, dude, it's one of the best courtroom dramas fucking ever. It has so many moments that will just, like, you know, make you seethe with rage, and then also stuff that just makes you, like, Oh yeah, man! They got him. Fucking like, justice, stuff yes. Like that uh, it's yeah. incredible. It's a, a great watch. This is the longest of the films. It is a full two-hour and ten-minute endeavor. Uh, it is the most properly like filmic of the bunch for sure. This is kind of the the star or the highlight. Uh, Lovers Rock is also up there on a lot of people's list as well. It's it's a little bit further down on mine, but uh, just great stuff. Highly recommend it. If you have Amazon Prime, it's available to you right now. Again. The movie is Mangrove. It is part of the Small Axe series. Who's That's how you want to look at them. Who's in it? Uh, Letitia Wright okay. from Black Panther <laughs> yes. uh, is probably the main person you would know. And then a lot of British actors who I was unfamiliar with. And between this, Gangs of London, and uh, watching the British version of Utopia, what what a treasure trove of people I've found that I'm just like, okay, well now i got to go find everything they've ever done. Right. Uh, but yeah, Letitia Wright is the name in this one that okay. most people would recognize, of course, from Black Panther. She's Shiri. Uh, yeah, that's my number five, Mangrove. Okay. My number four is The King of Staten Island. All right. <laughs> Good it, on you. Yeah, it is basically, you could boil it down to an autobiographical look at Pete Davidson's life. This one we did do a full we on did, review yeah. for. You can scroll back in the feed. Definitely check go back out. and check it out if you want to hear more about it. I I just I that's just one of those movies. I I was so into it that like the last scene where like he goes and watches the fire, I'm like, well someone's going to die here. Like mm-hmm. this is going to get bad. Like if you're going formulaic, if you go based off of Hollywood, I guess. This is that scene where it's like, oh, he sees what it's like. It, originally, he was like, firemen shouldn't have kids and families, whatever, you know, because of his issues and, you know, his, his backstory. And then he sees it all kind of happen. And then they're like, oh, okay, well, you know, hey, uh, I, I think I get it now. And then just like the stuff with him and Bill Burr and like the budding heads. And then like, you can practice on me, like with your tattoo stuff. Like, it's just really funny. 
but also just kind of like just sweet little slice of life movie if you want to call the, it that really yeah, it's just absolutely. really the as with most like late period apatow yeah <laughs> if you want to call it that um yeah i found myself like i i don't really remember any jokes that i like from it like in the way i could quote four-year-old virgin or knocked up or something right. like that to you but the emotional beats that he hits moving into more of it like james l brooks cameron crow sort of space which i feel like is where his heart's always been do you um no. if you look at like freaks and geeks and undeclared and stuff like that he's always had that what sorry go ahead i just had a, an epiphany okay do you think this has he been this way or has he kind of gotten this way? Because I feel like this is like a the first big thing I remember him doing post Gary Shandling dying. And I know he did that great documentary about him and the way of the Zen mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. So I'm wondering if like that's like that plays into it at all. If he picks these projects because of like, yeah, they can be funny, but like let me show you this more emotional beat that I'm on because I feel like I, this story has a lot more well, to give you other than the funny bits. That that's the thing, is I part of me feels like he might be more into making out and out dramas, but almost feels compelled to like, well, I got to have some, some levity in here. People are just not gonna, not gonna accept it coming from me. But the, I would to that point. That's what I'm saying is again, I don't remember any jokes from this movie. I remember the emotional beats of like, just overall being like, you know, Pete Davidson, who I've always been kind of like wishy washy on. I thought he, acquitted himself quite nicely yeah. but the real highlight for me we talked about in the in the review a lot was the bill burr marissa tomei relationship oh, yeah. and i was like i want this movie i don't uh, like i appreciate that you're trying to like recontextualize pete davidson and like kind of a pseudo you know an alternate reality version of him if you will i appreciate all of that but i would also be fine if you just told a story about these two adult characters who you seem honestly even more invested in mm-hmm. because look how much like chemistry you have right here natural um yeah like god give and so maybe again it's just that her. was my and that's not even a knock against the movie because it's good that it leaves you wanting more from the supporting characters but i was just like dude give me that like give me the you know this is 40 but you know not characters we already had established right, and stuff yeah. give me just new people yeah no yeah i enjoyed this one it is on it's further down on my list yeah we, we can get 10, to the further downs a, yeah you know I enjoyed we'll it. We'll call those the further downs. I the like further that. Further downs. I like that. Okay. Uh, my number four. It's coming off the table. It's the Five Bloods. Okay. Available on Netflix for everybody. By the way, King of Staten Island, it was a very expensive rental for yes. a very long time. Very worth it, it though. it is very cheap now to just right. the regular three ninety nine price. Right. Maybe even lower. I'm not sure. Uh, but yeah, that one's on VOD. The Five Bloods, my number four, is on Netflix. Full free. Yes. This was a an early one in the year. Yes. For a time, it was my number one. It was up there for a stretch. And it got moved down a bit at a time. Still really strong. Have not quite worked up to a rewatch, given the untimely passing of Mr. Chadwick Boseman. Yeah. But... We set it on our review episode, which was paired with King of Staten Island. Funnily it was, enough. yeah. It was a two by two new review. In- yeah, interesting how that worked out with the yeah, yeah. Weird. Wow. <laughs> Somewhat synergy. I guess. How richly bizarre. <laughs> well, I mean, they're all in, they're both in one episode. If you want to go listen to them, I mean, 
My money's on Leto. It's going to be good. (laughs) Absolutely. Listen to that one, too. Okay. Uh, To refresh your memory, this is the uh, kind of dual timeline narrative of some Vietnam vets who, uh, in their now 60s? 70s? Slash 70s? It's kind of vague. I don't know. Um, Go back to Vietnam. We don't know because we don't see younger versions of them. But it's present day, right? Right. Like it's supposed to be a 2019, 2020. Right. Present day. Right. We don't have to relitigate all of this. Listen to the episode. Exactly. Where, again, Spike Lee makes a very conscious choice to be like, hey, in the flashbacks, you guys all look exactly the fucking same, except for you, Chadwick. And we will figure out why down the road, right? Right. Anyways. Well, you already know that down the road. Yes, you already, yes. They are, excuse me, the whole setup of the movie is they are returning to Vietnam to bury their friend. And find gold. And find some gold. It's basically Treasure (laughs) of the Sierra Madre. It's like that first movie, only uh, it's in Vietnam. You you said you were on a Bogart kick, dude. That's what you need to watch next. What? Treasure of the Sierra Madre. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh well, yeah, so it's a it's a rollicking uh, action-adventure movie yeah. with, like, my favorite collection of actors in any movie this year. Yeah. We talked about it on that episode. If Delroy Lindo does not win Best Supporting Actor, there is no justice uh, and there will be no you know, peace uh, because he's... Fucking killing it in this movie. He's on another planet. It's the best, like, one of the best performances I've seen all year. And if we're talking... Obviously, it would be in the supporting category. He just... Who else even holds a candle to this performance, dude? It's so good. But you also have Isaiah Whitlock Jr. in there killing it. You have Clark Peters. You have Jonathan Majors from yes. Lovecraft Country. Yes. Big discovery for Gavin this year. Indeed. You still need to go back and watch The Last Black Man in, uh, in San Francisco. I do need to watch Which was on that. my list last year. Uh, but yeah, again, a, a, a rollicking, sprawling journey through the jungle... With a lot of twists and turns, a lot of heavy stuff in it. Uh, subject matter sounds heavy, it is, but it also has, you know, it has the Spike Lee levity here and there. There's some lighter elements you, you can get through. Again, I pitch it as an action-adventure movie, which is what it felt like. It just also happens to be about one of the darkest chapters in American history, and from the perspective of people who've never really gotten to give their perspective on it. Uh, that w- and that was the thing that I appreciated about it more, and I don't know if I articulated it correctly enough when we talked about it. But the use of of historical footage and like you the know, use of archival footage archival footage like, is, is second to none in that yeah. movie. The 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 I mean just the naming of like you know a soldier who a, a black soldier who dove on a grenade. No one in ever has ever heard that person's name ever. Tell, find me, find me people, find me f- three people who knew before that, before that movie, movie was made. Yeah, that who I'm knew prob- that that man's a name? Lot, but in the uh, in the military, and like yes, they would. But like, you, you walk up and say anything about Vietnam right now, people think Nixon, LBJ. And Muhammad Ali not wanting to go, and that's it. And that's maybe that's, think about apocalypse now or right. platoon. But that's what <laughs> yeah. America's remembrance of Vietnam is. Cassius Clay didn't want to go. He changed his name, and then Nixon got us out of it. That's it. And, and you're there were right. Some hippies in there at some point. some point, and a lot of credence, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. 
And and somewhere in there, called the '68 Democratic National Convention, right? The Tet Offensive, and then of course the Adrian Cronauer show, Good Morning Vietnam. We all love that show. People who were there remember it. Classic, classic stuff, you know. But I just, again, like you said, it's people. It's a dark part of American history that had, you know, a light shined on it from a perspective we haven't gotten before. You know, because I mean, if you think about it, dude, every Vietnam movie, there's a black guy in it. It's a, a Larry, black guy. Yeah, it's yes. Larry Fishburne. It's, um, I don't know who I'm thinking of from Platoon. I haven't actually watched Platoon all the way through. I'm sure, is it Dennis Haysbert in Platoon, maybe? I don't know. Somebody in Platoon. But it's one. It's it. You know? And to know that, like, this was legit. These There were all black units. There were integrated units. It was all that. To kind of get that story... Along with, like you said, this action adventure through the jungle kind of crazy thing going on. It's and we we haven't necessarily been charting them thus far, but for some reason I want to point this one out. Um, at, in contention for like sequences of the year, the without spoiling anything, the landmine. Oh my god, dude! In this movie is some of the best tension filled filmmaking I've seen all year, and just one of my favorite Spike Lee sequences in his entire filmography. Uh, great stuff. It's on Netflix. I'm hoping to see a resurgence of conversation as we head into the extremely long extended Oscar prologue because the Oscars are in April, I believe. Right. Feels like forever away at this point. But again, Delroy Lindo has to at least be nominated for supporting actor. I'm saying we go ahead and throw Spike in there for best director once again. And if we're doing a, a a 10 list... If this isn't up for Best Picture, it's as good, if not better, than Black Klansman. And thankfully, Black Klansman got a lot, a lot of at least recognition, even though they only got the the one singular Oscar. So he's got screenplay now, but he still does not have director. So yeah, I would love to see that. I agree. And a very worthy movie to get it for, in my opinion. Okay. You are number three. My top three, top baby. three, Noah. She, no, for for my number three, I wanna be, I wanna be, I wanna be like Mike. Bad Boys Three, it's my number three movie of the year. Yeah, it was Second, hard not to just like shift down to Five Bloods to the five slot, but I was like, no, because I like it. It's Mangrove and it are like neck and neck, but it's like the Five Bloods is fun, and I would watch it again. Mangrove, incredible stuff. Definitely not watching that movie for at least a year. Yeah. You know? Uh, talk about Bad Boys 3, though. I mean... Bad Boys for life. For Excuse life. Me. There yes, is no 3 in the title. You're right. We talked about it when we saw it. It's the second movie I saw in theater. I've seen two, three movies in theaters. One of them I'll get there to later. There should have been Bad Boys Trace, correct? And then Bad Boys for life for the fourth one, which right. we know is coming. Right. And if I'm Tom Cruise has anything to say about it, those protocols are going to make sure that that movie dude, happens too. They better make sure he goes to every single set, dude, and he is the guy. He's like, mm-hmm. you go by my law. Yeah. Cruise law. <laughs> yes, Cruise law. Of course. Cruise lash. This, okay. um, again, I, a trend that I don't know if it's people just being like, fuck the director's guild. But a lot of two people doing movies these years, these this year and in recent years. You know, and it's crazy because it's like that keeps you out of the DGA if I'm not mistaken. Maybe they changed the, the rules. What the deal is on that now? I don't know. Maybe maybe the, maybe the, maybe there's a new president involved with the guild and 
you know, they don't care about that kind of stuff because they realize, hey, and I think it's just because they don't want like a bunch of people on stage at the Oscars. That's why like they cut the people. Seriously, yes, that's, that's why the- they cut the producers. That's, they, they put a cap on how many producers you can have as credited, you know, that can't be listed below because they don't want a thousand people on stage if your movie wins. But they do want Brad Pitt, who produces a lot of movies, by right. the way. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, I mean... We'll take the prettiest ones you got. Yes. We'll take the prettiest producers. Yes. Prettiest ones you got. And I mean, really. The only ones that are camera ready. Right. Seriously. When they get out of bed. The rest of them, they got to sit up in the balcony. We're not even going to show them on television. (laughs) Yeah. Look at the rafters with the bats that are just hanging out. Um, (laughs) Anyway, bad boys for life. A longer gap from two to three than there was from one to two. Yeah. And I'm sorry, dude. Quite substantial. And one of those that honestly, like. It, it had been so long at this point, we were like, this has got to be trash, right? Like, right. There's no way they no crank one, one out no this one far gets... down the line without Michael Bay directly, right. actually you know directing. What this is? You know what this is? This is Rush Hour 3. You don't I remember Rush they, Hour 3, do you? I hope you? this is better than No, Rush that's Hour what I'm 3. saying. Going into it, everybody loved Rush Hour. Right. Rush Hour 2 was on fire. And then there's so such a long gap. Qu- or, yeah, there is the long gap. Excuse and then me. 3 comes out and you're like, whoa. Yeah, they kind of fucked this up. Like, it's not as good as to the it. point. I've never seen three. Yeah, it's cute. It's 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 trying to. It's a third rush out. No, it's trying to wedge your hand back in that old baseball glove you used to, you used to love to play with. Yeah, and it like it looks weird on your hand again, but it still works. It's just kind of hard to catch all the stuff that you're getting thrown. That's all. That's a baseball analogy for movies. Um, but dude, this movie like. Delivered. I, fucking delivered. And here's the thing. Action wise, it was never ever gonna top two. No. Two is an action masterpiece. It's one of the ten best action movies ever made. Period. Specifically the, the last chunk of that movie. Because literally, there's I'm, tons of other whole, stuff, but like yes. what but I argue, I always tell people, when they are like, We're going at it alone, we're doing our own thing, and you bring back in the tactical unit from the opening and they just lay waste to that mansion in Cuba. The fact that like it feels like that that is the <coughs> the overall height of like Marcus and, and Mike. And like that's where you start off the third one in terms of like mm-hmm. you know, like it's just it deals with everything that I don't think you get to see a lot in buddy cop stuff because there is a third one. It is really good. Like I watched Lethal the- Weapon the other day. Just because it was like it's a Christmas, it's under Christmas stuff on right. on Max, which I appreciate. But by the time you get to the third one, I kind of feel like you run out of everything. Third so one they introduce Pesci. No, third one or he's in the second one. Yes, he's no. in the second one. Continues into the third. Right. Okay. He's annoying. The annoying guy in the second one that they have to keep watch over. Three, they introduce Rene Russo. In okay. the third one. She's from Internal Affairs. And then four, we have everybody. They're old men. And then well, they introduced Chris Rock. Yes. Yes. Butters. Um, so, but it just, it's that, you know, we've we've had the, I'm going to retire. I'm going to be done. Like, you're going to get a different partner. We've had that. But we have something that I feel like doesn't really happen a lot in, like, big name movies. Is like, you have your star, like... He gets shot and like bled out on the screen, man. You're wondering what's going to happen to old Mike Lowry. Yeah. And then you it's, find the, 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 I appreciated the twist as crazy as it is. And like, Oh, who is this person that's coming to hunt down Miami PD? Oh, I appreciate all that shit, dude. 
I loved it all. The serious secret weapon, though, of the whole movie is Martin Lawrence. Yes. Who you forget that it's just like, this guy's fucking great. Yes. He's still got the chops. Hell yeah. And he's also got the heart in this one. And right. I can't, I need to rewatch it. Yeah. I have not, I've only seen it in theaters with you. Have not watched it at home yet, but. Me neither. It was a blast. It was an absolute blast. Yeah. I can't wait to watch it again. Huge Good. ringing endorsement from both of us. I believe yeah. it's still a VOD rental. Yes. Uh, I think it is out on Blu-ray now, though. I'm pretty sure it's been out for a while. This will definitely be a a purchase. And if it's not already, I want a three-pack. Give me a three-pack 4K Blu-ray. Right. And I need that. And leave a space for four and five. Right, yeah. Or six and seven or eight. Because, spoiler alert. This is Fast and Furious, baby. It's the Fast and the Furious now. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I I just hope we can get them a little more quickly. Right. (laughs) Than the gap between... Uh, two and three. Right. But yeah, again, we were fully prepared going into that theater for like, uh, I don't know, man. To the and point, I was like, okay, if it was bad. I was like, absolutely. I'm going to give it a big pass because it's bad but boys. But it just consistently kept winning us over. And, and you know what it does, it dude? All the it's right that, decisions. It's dude. that scene where they have fucking Michael Bay as the MC at the wedding. Yes. And he's like passing the torch to oh, these Oh, that's two when dudes. you and I looked at each other and were like, like, oh, this is okay. Yeah, we're good. We're in good hands. <laughs> does it matter what happens from here? Yeah. We're good. And you also, know? again, like, Will Smith last couple years you know it's been interesting have man. you watched gemini man i didn't see it i enjoyed it I, i'm really I, I'm good not dude. knocking it i just i didn't see it in theaters you know it is it's mary it's a uh, winstead it's her that's yeah. she's the hook in it that that okay but again ang lee and like the crazy visuals dude i could appreciate it. i i actually really kind of wish i'd seen that in theaters you still wouldn't have seen it the way you wanted you to see it no of course not because there was like six theaters in the world that could project it correctly really yeah it was some weird shit like that Huh. Yeah. That's wild. You were seeing like a tailored version of it essentially anywhere you saw it in theaters, but like people actually showing it in the appropriate frame rate um, and all of that stuff. Like I think there's only a handful of theaters that are even capable of doing the high well, frame it, rate in IMAX or whatever. Well, it, it still looked really good on Amazon with what it I'm was sure trying it does to be. because Ang Lee makes good looking movies yeah. <laughs> in general. I mean, if I could have seen that on screen, it would have been worth it. If you're telling me I couldn't have gotten it, then I understand. Anyways, but, to your point, I didn't see Gemini Man. Yeah. It did not do well. And Gen- I'm talking, regardless of what you think of the quality of any of these, he's been on a bit of a downward turn in general right. as far as being the king of the box office like he was for like a decade of our lives. Why? Because he hasn't gone back to the well. I understand and that. Then, that's what I was going to say. And then what happens the second he goes back to one of his most beloved franchises? A, a pandemic. Well, I, but forcing also, him to become the number one movie but of also, the year. We didn't know that that was happening, right? Quite yet, and on its own legs as a February again. We're normally no, no, January release, right? Me, January or February? Yeah, I think it was the second week in January. Yeah, it was before my birthday. Yes, it has normally, to have a box office record for January. It has a straight to up dumping ground. Yes, it's like everybody's going to see the Oscar bait movies from the previous year. Nobody wants to see new stuff right now, so let's just flood the you know. Put all the trash out there. Like that Vin Diesel movie moment I and saw. And again, when they pushed it to January, we were like, oh, dude, this is not They a are good dumping sign. this thing like, off, man. It's going to be garbage. Shit. And then what happened? We saw it. The people in the theater we saw it with who clearly, it was opening night, like, you know, the first screening available, were clearly all, like, diehard fans. Everybody loved it. And then, lo and behold, it was a huge hit that opening weekend. And, like you said, it's still the number one 
domestic box office for 2020 uh, as well it should be. Yeah. Yeah. I guarantee you, even with the slate that has come out, if proper, you know, if things had been normal for theaters, I think it would have hung around in the top 10. Oh, Even with the big Disney and Marvel releases that, you know, would have been cannibalizing it. Okay. Bad Boys for Life. Go watch it if you haven't already. Yeah. I need to do it again soon. All right. What's your number three? Yeah, it probably needs to be put on the table. It's an Amazon original. Uh, no, it doesn't. We can go ahead and talk about it. It's my number two. The Vast of Night? Yes. That's why I was wondering earlier, because technically this was in um, film festivals and stuff in 2019. It did not come out in a proper release anywhere yeah, until 2020. It's a 2020 movie. Right, but it just you said the other one you might not want to put on your list because it was technically around in 19. We Pleasure didn't get Lady it to on Fire was straight up in New York and L.A. for Oscar consideration okay. the previous year. It gotcha. is a 2019 film. Okay. I just happened to see it 2020, is that's, all I was saying. That's why I... And most put, of America didn't get it until 2020. Yeah. But New York and L.A. still counts. But so. again, that's that's why like the third one of mine is... 1917 that is a 2019 december release everywhere i saw it in 2020 that's the third movie i saw this year in theaters the second being bad boys and the final one being um okay Synchronic. we just said a lot of names but to be clear what we were talking about right now is your, the vast of night which, which is, is your my no- number three and gavin's number, number two. two amazing debut again one of these one most of the singular best best movies. debut movies i've ever seen just a bet just this is I've already had my movie that I look at and I'm like, I would love to fucking do that. And it came out a long time ago. And if you listen to this show, you know exactly what movie it is. And we're not even going to say the name. But I just hope that somebody watched this thing and thought, that's what I want to do. I want to do that. Because that is, I mean, do you know that the call sign for the radio station is W-O-W? Mm-hmm. The world, the world worlds. Yeah, it's all this homage stuff, and it's yeah, like it's all, classic Americana it's all homage. That in the same, in the same way that we often praise, and I never thought of this parallel, but the same way we praise Tarantino for it's like yes, all of this stuff is essentially ripped from other things, right? But it's the way you put it together, and this is one of those where it's like yes, it hints at the Twilight Zone, it hints at B movie sci fi from the era. But it's also 100% its own tone and thing. Right. That's down to the dialogue, the performances, and the camera choices, the cinematography, which... A million dollars. They shot the ship for a million million dollars. dollars, And I was more wrapped up in this than I was of any of the fucking hundred million dollar movies I saw this year at home or in theaters. It was enthralling. And I saw it on Amazon Prime. And it really does tell the tale of this whole fucking year. Like it or not... Streaming is the is the future. It really and is, money dude. is not going to matter. Rodriguez has said this since the beginning. You cannot solve creative issues with money. No matter how much you like to think you can, how much you can spend on a computer to do something, it Here. comes down to what's in front of the camera and how good the people are behind the camera and to make you believe what story you're listening and, and watching. To that point, right there. When something premieres on Amazon or it premieres on Netflix, guess what the playing field is for that? Everything else that has been released by Netflix or released by Amazon. 
there is no, oh, this one's been getting advertised a ton. Oh, I've seen TV ads, magazine ads, etc. for Blockbuster X, Y, or Z. Everything's on an equal playing field. Mm-hmm. So truly, at that point, yes, money does not matter. It's going to have the same amount of exposure, the same opportunity for eyeballs, essentially. And then what wins out at the end of the day? Quality. Right. Period. It doesn't matter how much it costs. Regardless, if it if you make something that is good, people are going to watch it. And people are going to talk about it. And it will be a word-of-mouth hit. And I feel like more than any other movie this year, other than maybe my number one... Fast of Night was the movie that I was just like, I'm telling everybody I know mm-hmm. to go see it. Not even like, oh, sci-fi fans need to see this or like alien people or whatever. Rockabilly just, folks will love it. Like, oh, you just know. Just literally, if you like movies, yeah. you will like this movie. Exactly. It's like Parasite from right. last year. It is just impossible not to recommend it to people it's just who a enjoy movie movies. Overall, period. that's it. You and can't... you know what? Every single person I recommended to it that actually took the time to watch it was over the moon literally texted me after they finished it and were like that was so good that was one of the best things i've seen in recent memory and what's it, his other one and you're like oh this is his first yeah by the way this is this dude's first movie um we will have our eyes peel again i believe his name is andrew patterson i have to confirm that, that we do not want right. to ruin the spence uh man's name yeah for the 20 of you that are listening that are going to go watch it we don't want to ruin his name we appreciate you sticking with us right here is it, it is, in fact, good job, Andrew though. Patterson. Good pull. Um, doesn't have anything slated as an upcoming yet. I don't even care, dude. You could you could rest on the laurels of this for quite a while if you want to, but I cannot wait to see what you do. And the one thing I hope, we talked about this when we did a little mini-review of it, which I don't know if that episode ever came out. I don't know what we prepared we it ta- with. We had to tank one because I it was... Uh, the cook, the thief, his wife, and her lover. Right. We lost that section of the pod. I believe that same episode we did an in-depth review of Vast of Night. Right. And when, subsequently we only had like a little mini review of it. Right. Okay. I forget where I was going with this whole thread. You'd be keeping your eyes peeled for him. That's what you were saying. I mean, it's one of those, look, dude, look to the skies, Noah. They're They're, they're out there. They've always been there. And we can't wait. I mean, you could, I won't care what he does next. He could give me another, give me. Excuse a, me. Thank you. You got me right back on okay. track. We talked about it in that episode. He is now, the trend for the last several years is like, oh, well now you're, they're just going to like have him make Star Wars or something like right. that. You know, they're going to give him some big IP property. He proved himself with the opening, you know, Gareth Edwards, who we talked about recently but makes monsters a little small scale indie movie with scoot scoot mcnary oh not and then they hand him godzilla because it's like oh well now obviously take our hundred million dollar franchise and we need you to make a blockbuster and you know sometimes it works sometimes the thing ends up just kind of feeling faceless because people point out it's very easy to take a hot young director who feels like oh shit i'm getting this crazy shot but who the studio looks at is like well, he's a fir- he's essentially a first time studio filmmaker, so we can control him. Here's this we grinder. Can make him do. Here's the grinder. Yeah. We're gonna shove you through it. You you will sink or swim, my friend. Because guess what? There's ten kids around the corner that would do it for nothing. Okay. Right. Remember that. Exactly. Kid. That's so exactly how it works. I want, because movies are a business, I, and we get. It. I hope and I want 
Andrew Patterson to stay on the like let's let's maybe notch him up to like some Blumhouse level budgets, maybe a little over a mil. Or maybe as high as an A twenty four. That's all to like A twenty four or neon. We get maybe into the more like ten or fifteen million. I got it, I gotta got get we give him the A twenty four neon budget. Want, I don't want him to all of a sudden be one of these guys who just gets like shoved into the studio system and like has to make some big IP because that's what logically makes sense. I hope he is able to continue to operate with the spirit that Vast of Night has, if that makes sense. That's what I was going to say. Give me another, give me the same premise, the same idea on the other side of town with two different people. I'd watch that movie as your 100%. sequel right now. 100%. To the two people that pick them up in the car. Give me their story their entire night. And you bump into Everett and Faye. And they're there for two seconds. And then they get out the car and they're gone. And you two, you and your lover go bum, run off. And all of a sudden it becomes the hook in the door urban legend story. Give me that, dude. I don't okay. care what you do. Pull any kind of genre, any kind of thing you want. But just give me... There's a thing that you can see on screen with that, and it is just the fucking heart of that guy. Yeah. In every shot. It does, you get the feeling that it you looks so... You get the so, feeling that he's been making this movie in his head. Since he was for, 12. Since yes. he saw Close Encounters, or since he saw Fire in the Sky, or name... <laughs> I'm just throwing them out there, dude. They're just titles. Since he watched his first That's X-Files episodes, you know? Yeah. I like Fire in the Sky, dude. I like Robert Patrick. I like D.B. Sweeney. I like it was pointed out on a recent year in podcast I was listening to. I believe it was um, Adam Naiman, I believe the the critic, but he was basically saying this is you know the trend is anytime anybody makes something in the neighborhood of this, they go oh he's next Spielberg, and he was like this is the first time where that is legit like not that's not a ridiculous thing to say right (laughs) where you just see this much like natural talent and like singularity of vision and like this guy was just born to make a movie right um that yeah it's like yeah the spielberg comparison's not off and it probably wouldn't hurt his career in the way that some people get pegged as the next one and then like fall into obscurity right uh i cannot wait to see the next andrew patterson movie but for now we all have the vast of night to revisit over and over again and i I was gonna say we give him the a24 blumhouse budget we get him to get all the actors from Coat Wolf who aren't making Chuck Hank and the San Diego Twins, and he does a movie with them. It writes itself. There you go. Yeah. All right, that was my number two, so give me your number two. My number two, which I assume is not your number one. I'm very curious what your number one is. Don't know why I haven't been able to figure it out yet. My number two is Mike. Mike? It's Mike. Oh, my God. <laughs> all right. Uh, which I, you know, Gavin and I have another Number ch- 15. All right. Crack the top 15. Uh, the, yeah. It's David Fincher's Mank. We've talked about it offhandedly uh, for the last month or so. Uh, yes, fucking people, uh, fucking people talk like that. Yes, they do. Uh, at least they did I in just, movies of that era, which is I what the movies tried to Why am I supposed to care about it? Are you supposed to care about it? Is it because he was like this brilliant person and like... Orson Welles just like put his dick on the table and was like, yeah, but I'm right. You know what this is? Is this like supposed to be like a, like how people think, you know, 
Matt Damon wrote Good Will Hunting, but Ben Affleck put his name on it kind of thing. But back then for Citizen Kane, is that what we're talking about here? I don't get what I'm supposed to get from this movie, man. It fucking looks great, and I love Gary Oldman being Gary Oldman doing shit, but, like, I just, I don't get it. I don't know what I'm supposed to like about it, and, like, why it's so great. <laughs> I don't know I don't... what I'm supposed to like about it. If you if it didn't hit you, dude, it didn't hit you. It just did, man. And I think you might be surprised by my number one because it hit me in a weird way. Okay. And I've gone back to it a couple times since I watched it. It's fucking wild, dude. Mank. Right. Can't wait to hear what it is. Why I like Mank. Um, you love old Hollywood. I mean, and I don't even. That's you don't. the thing. It's it's not like oh, I love this era and I'm obsessed with this era. So oh, the recreation of it, which a lot of people have problems with, because apparently it's the wrong aspect ratio and he shot it digitally. God forbid, and like all this different stuff. Um, what it really came. I mean, if we want to really boil down like what I like about this movie, the fucking screenplay and the actors who are executing it. Yeah, it has some of the best dialogue of the year. Period. It's fantastic. But did people fucking talk like that back in the day? I. Why are you so hung up on that? Because it just it doesn't feel legit. There is stylized dialogue in movies. Period. In general, okay. In this particular case, you're saying did people actually talk like that in the movies of that era? Fuck yes, they did. But in real life, are you telling me they did? It doesn't matter. It does to me, though. It may to you. He's not making a docudrama. Right. He's not. not. He's not going for realism and period accuracy with everything, and that being the overarching goal of it. Uh The screenplay, to me, the vibe of it, is the vibe of those movies of that era. And it is so much a reconstruction and reinterpretation of Citizen Kane itself and the narrative structure of that while also being about it but not about it at all because a huge chunk of this is about something that I felt like was very important to the modern conversation which is the whole election subplot in here and the the idea of how vehemently like socialism is opposed by people in power who stand to make a buck off of it and the exploration of the studio system at the time, how it cripples like art and creativity. Um, except you're looking at me so blankly. I'm getting it. No, like, I'm getting it, dude. The number one thing I took away from this movie is that Rosebud was what's her face's vagina. Like that's the main which thing. Which we already knew. Yeah, that's been I didn't thing. know that. That was new to me. Okay. <laughs> okay. Like Did I heard you it think in the, Amanda Seyfried was good in this movie. Do you yes. think she deserves best supporting actress, which she's probably going to win? Like and she was Marion Davies, right? Marion Davies, yes. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, man. I just I definitely think Gary Oldman's got it sealed up if he wants it. Like if they <laughs> It's not gonna happen. If he wants they it, they gave it, it to him two years ago. He's that's not gonna happen. It's all no, if we know anything, it's all about if this movie Mank taught us anything, it's all about who you know. It's all about who you put behind the press the flesh behind the scenes. If they want to put the ads out there for me, petition for me, campaign for him, Gary Oldman could very well easily do it. Fucking Hollywood loves itself. It loves movies about itself. Let's be serious. But again, that's what I'm trying to get at here. Are you saying David Fincher saying Hollywood you're full of shit? Essentially, yes. Okay. The whole Louis B. Mayer like speech about, you know. The genius of this business is when people walk out after see viewing our product, we still own it. 
and all they have is a memory of it. Now, granted, this is pre-home video. Right. And all of that. But the idea of like, but we own the masters, essentially. We right. just let you take a look at it. And you kind of have to, if you want more of this, you got to come back to us and pay us again. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no, you know, you don't have instant access to this forever. You don't own it. You have no ownership over it. Well, if that's the case, do the people who make the art have any actual ownership of it? What is the nature of authorship on top of that? We have the whole movie centered around him writing the screenplay, but you know that at the end of the day, Orson Welles comes in and makes his own additions, directs and stars, and makes the movie that he's going to make off of this source material at this point. It's what he makes of it. And I don't think it's a... I don't think it's trying to get into that debate at all. I don't think it's meant to demonize Wells. I think it's... The real focus is the relationship between Mank, Marion Davies, and William Randolph Hearst. That's like the core of the movie. And the disillusionment of like, I feel like I'm fighting against this system. Like I've, you know, that I am this individual who stands out amongst this and does try and at least like get these thoughts into the minds of the people around me who are in power, etc. And trying to like speak truth to them, if you will. And yeah, because he liked the way you talk. The idea of like the only reason you're here is yeah, because he likes the way you talk. By the way, he pays your salary. If you piss him off enough, you're fucked. Like, don't make no mistake. This guy owns you essentially. Yeah. And then deciding at the end of all of that for like, all right, well, I'm gonna basically write a screenplay that takes this guy down. I did enjoy the you know well. You know, I have to say, if it doesn't get made, I'll I'll be really sorry. And he's like, well, I have to say, if it does get made, that I'll be sorry too. Like I appreciated that. I was a, that that like Dude, I mean the the early dinner scene, not the big no, finale. The, you know, scene, I'm, the early dinner the scene. Early yeah. dinner scene. I'm sorry, but for me, and it's not like this for everybody, but like that shit is like porn to me in terms of like dialogue porn. The back and forth, the like debate about the politics of the day the Upton Sinclair of it all. I, and I know it does essentially kind of like, you kind of feel like you need Wikipedia open or Google open while you're watching it. If you're not familiar with some of these things. And I'm not saying that like having a greater familiar with them, like makes the movie play better because I still feel like you can appreciate it on like, you can piece together what, what these figures, these political figures mean to the individuals who we're seeing in the movie. Mm -hmm. But yeah, and I, I, again, if it felt like it was just kind of, it's another movie about movies, it's kind of up its own ass, like, I totally get that perspective, too. I just don't think that that's what he was going for at all. I think it's a very anti-Hollywood movie, and you gotta keep in mind, everybody's referenced this in every single review of Mank, but this is the guy who made Alien 3. This is the guy who came to the studio system, fresh-faced kid, and had his his project, his big breakout thing, it completely taken away from him. And restructured and horrible experience with a, with a big studio, a big known studio in Fox. And has pretty much spent the rest of his career making exactly what the fuck he wants to make on his own terms with crazy budgets and people who he gets to agree to finance them. But he has final cut. David Fincher does not compromise. So rest assured he made 100% the movie he wanted to make in Mank. And how kind of how you take it. I guess it's definitely up to you, but I feel like it's it's getting a little short sighted to say like, oh yeah, it's about 
it's about Citizen Kane, like the debate over who made it. Now, I didn't even get into like again how it parallels the structure of Citizen Kane, how it inverts your understanding of some of the movie itself, like all of that stuff. And again, you don't see any of the movie being made in this movie. It is all about the writing process and the events that led up to the writing of the screenplay mm-hmm. before Orson Welles even touches it. He's in the movie for like five minutes. Who do they have playing him? It's Tom Burke, man. And oh boy, and that's the, one of my boys. And the hand of the king was Hearst, right? Yeah. Okay. Do you know where you know Tom Burke from, though? Only God forgives. The and brother. Se- oh, season he's the two, brother. Season two, episode one of Utopia. Oh yeah. Okay. The UK version. Okay. Yeah. It's also in the souvenir from last year. My number two movie of last year. I don't think Tom that. Burke at the two slot again. Tommy Tommy Two Tone. There you go. Tommy Two Tone Burke. Yep. He has a series called CB Strike on cinema. Yeah, yeah. It's a fucking. It's I a watch that dude. It's it's good, dude. I watched like the first okay. three or four episodes. I didn't realize that was him. Again, he's, he's not good, in Only God Forgives that long. So. Like two seconds. If yeah. you want the Tom Burke show, you watch uh, not the show, but if you want the uh, my favorite performance of his, you watch the Souvenir, which is also available on Amazon Prime. By the way. Okay. Yeah. All right. So number two is Mank, and I've Mank mo- is on Netflix, by yes. the way. And I, uh, I guess I will move Mank from fourteen to twelve. You don't have to move it anywhere, and I'm not trying. You to You sold me here. on it. I, I, just, I just I didn't. I get, feel like you're getting a little hung up on the superficiality of like this dialogue's too highfalutin. I love the dialogue, to be clear. Right. And, and I again, get well, you know, now I, that I get that it was going for the tone of mind, a movie in that time. Keep it in understands. mind, there is the deeper layer. This is written by Jack Venture, his father, right? who was a journalist, if I'm not mistaken. He wrote it after he, like, in his retirement, in his spare time, he decided to write a screenplay okay. about Citizen Kane, etc. And this is what came out of it. But he this he's been trying to make this movie since the 90s. So right after the Alien 3, and if I feel like if you look at it in the context of that, and it being more about, like, an outsider perspective trying to operate in a big massive machinery and basically and yeah and like that was even after the studio system wall. was dead too so yeah right dude the whole scene where louis b mayer goes in and is like hey i need all you fucking below the line guys to cut your paychecks in half we got we got to make a sacrifice and it's just it's complete bullshit that, it's also but like, like that, that was the best performance campaign. of the year or something like yeah. that yeah i get listen i paid attention i knew what was going on i just it I I didn't come into it thinking, oh, he's trying to like, s- like, distort and like maybe take away my perception of what I thought old movies were, by like, giving me a new modern day movie about the making of a classic, in the vein of a classic. I just it just it was good and I appreciated it. And but I got just, all the other layers, dude. It's about a screenwriter who's about to. Right, give hand a screenplay over to an auteur director and Fincher has never written a screenplay for any of his movies if I'm not mistaken so it's very much about that like screenwriter versus director how does that all work together who truly is responsible what makes a movie Gavin what makes a movie is it the words on the page or is it how you fucking put them up there well, I think you it's know? who you who you decide to tell talk the words that too yeah which is usually a director's decision so again who you know who yeah. is really the author at the end of the day 
It's a lot of questions. If yeah. you want, if you want to think through those, but again, surface level pleasures, dialogue for me. I, that's why I will watch this movie ten more times on Netflix is because I just really like the dialogue. Okay. And again, I think Oldman's fantastic. I think Amanda Seyfried, it's the best performance of her career. I think Charles Dance is incredible in this as well as as Hearst. And Arliss Howard as Louis B. Mayer, dark horse candidate for best supporting actor for me. Just that that one walk and talk like monologue into him pitching the all the actors, all that stuff. Just just great. Yeah. Hmm. I do I I have pretty much any of my friends that have asked me like, hey, should I check this out? Or I've like outright recommended it to him. I have said, I think if you're only vaguely familiar with Citizen Kane or you even haven't seen it in a while, it's worth a refresher before you go into this to just have a little bit more context of what he's doing in terms of the mirroring. Hmm. Uh, anyways, I literally watched it the week before. I feel like that contributed to my level of enjoyment and also the fact that I saw this movie in a theater. Oh, theater? A theater. Yeah. Not... On Netflix. I haven't watched it on Netflix yet. Oh. Okay. Even though it's been available since December 4th. Go check it out, people. Still hasn't cracked the top 10, I don't think, which is great. I love it mm-hmm. that it hasn't cracked the top 10. For movies, it has, but overall, you know, there's still like uh, Ink Masters. Oh, yeah. And shit like that above it. It's very on, funny to it's me. Dave Navarro, dude. Ink Master. Come on. Just saying, dude. Did you see that second Santa you Claus? You Mindhunter so much, dude. Like, I just I love John Douglas. Okay. A lot. I was just gonna say you talk a little bit nicer about your boy. He gave us a lot he gave us Fight Club, man. He gave us Zodiac. Yeah, he gave he us, gave us a lot. seven. Okay? Mm-hmm, yeah. Just calm down. No, I just I just I didn't understand it, man. I just I get it. Maybe Passion projects. To, maybe you need Who to give it a second shot. And yes. Passion projects. Truly, yep. They Who don't knew? always they're work not for, for everybody. People. They truly it. are not. Yeah. Speaking of top ten, did you see the second Christmas movie with Kurt Russell as Santa Claus? And Goldie is Mrs. Claus. Yeah, it's watched. a sequel to the first one, dude. You gotta watch the first one. You're not gonna know what's the going same, on. The, so the second one is mm-hmm. a sequel, dude, to the first dude, one. Dude, the kids you and don't the, say yes, brother. dude, the kids and their mom are on vacation, and little girl is not happy about having to be spending Christmas on an island, and her mom is getting down with Tyrese Gibson. He just shows up out of nowhere, and he's why, got a kid. Why is Tyrese in this movie? I don't know, dude, but it doesn't matter. Fucking Kurt Russell is Santa Claus. He Kurt, Kurt Russell saw how hurt he was about... Because they're fast brothers, right? They are. They are. They are now. He yes. saw how hurt he was by Hobbs and Shaw going off, and he's like, you know what, buddy? You can come be in my Christmas movie. <laughs> yes, you, get, you get yourself I'm over like here. You, come over to this lot right now. We'll I'm have like some fun, much. son. Speaking of that... All right. Do you want my number one? I, I guess. I don't think you've watched it. My number one is the sound is sound of metal. I'm very, very pleased that this is your number one. Yeah. Great movie. This fucking movie, man. You talk about just like... Besides the sound editing of it all to make you, you understand... watch it with headphones? No. Highly recommend it for all of our listeners. Yeah. I would, I would, I would recommend as well. Knowing the sound, Best sound design. design of the year, yes. Uh, Tenet, go fuck yourself. Yes, I'm sorry. Uh, sound of Metal has the uh, seriously. I'm not kidding. If it's not up for like editing no, and mixing, whatever be. the new audio category is this year at the Oscars, um, 
I would be very upset. And for Incredible my money, sound design. Riz Ahmed as best actor. I'm sorry. I've not seen somebody on screen. He'd be in my five, my short list for sure. I don't know if he's my number one favorite that performance. Fucking that, uh, probably gotta, my favorite of the year. I, I might need to think about that and re-look through my list. I don't know who my favorite actor of the year is. I have my favorite actress for sure. Yeah. Um, Essentially, it's just about a, a drummer, punk rock drummer, who's it rapidly lo- starts losing his hearing. A metal drummer. Metal drummer, yeah. Um, just rapidly starts losing his hearing, and he attacks the solution much like he did trying to attack the solution to his uh, addiction. And he's recovering from his addiction, and it's just about how, I don't know, It's I don't want to call it a slice of life, but just like... There's so many moments that are just like gripping in that you just, you feel like, and it's his performance to me that's just like, it's all the raw emotion is out there. Like you get the idea that like when he's saying goodbye to his girlfriend, cause he's going to go try and get help at this place, that there is a piece of him that thinks like, I will probably, I may never ever see this girl again in my life. And so when you get to the ending and what happens in the end, you're just like, Oh, and you really start to understand what the actual message is and like what it means to like experience this thing for him. It's just on a it's on a completely different level for me, man. And I didn't think I was going to I just I saw the trailer pop up on Amazon and I was like, "Okay, I might check this out." And within like the first 5 minutes, I was like, "I just put the phone down, just mm-hmm. crank this up a minute, let me push the door closed so the dogs can't bother me." All right, what's up? And I was just I was fucking in it. And I just I think I don't know anything about the director. I haven't looked up anything about the release, nothing like that. Just I mean, I'm going to explain first. to you why you love it. Right why? Now. Why is? Why do I love it? So this is the second feature from Darius Martyr. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, he's the co-writer of a little Ark of E favorite called The Place Beyond the Pines. Oh, go fuck it. Okay, yeah. And Sound of Metal is co-written by Derek C. in France, director of Place Beyond the Pines, who also did I Know This Much Is True earlier this year. This was originally going to be a C. in France joint. Uh-huh. So much so that I believe this exact same plot description was attached to a different titled movie co-written by Darius Martyr, who goes on to direct this. And this was in his, like, in-production or in-pre-pro list mm. on IMDb for, like, a year or two. And it was like, dude, Metal Drummer Loses His Hearing, directed by CN France. Like, I am so there. I'm on board. Mm-hmm. And then... So much so that, like, the again, the name of the movie shifted, and the director shifted, and I did not realize until literally the day I was going to watch it, because I watched it the day it premiered, I knew it was coming, I was pumped for it. Um, and I was like, oh shit, so it is a CN France project, and I didn't realize that this guy also wrote, co-wrote Place Beyond the Pines with him, and I immediately was like, oh, this is the movie I'm about to get. And it is so that same, like very locked in camera and you add now the auditory level of just like what's going on putting you inside his perspective i one of those also where like i don't know if uh you mentioned that he goes to a rehab facility we don't have to go into all the details of the plot but like the people working there i assume those were all non-actors like the guy who ran it seemed like this is just a dude who they found, which I know C in France likes to do. He likes to work with non-actors. and just... I, I don't know. I mean, he's named. I don't know if that means he just runs that center wherever he's at or if he's right, actually been in the before, but, you know. but it doesn't um, matter. But yeah, it's great, great, small performance. And 
you want to talk about tiny moments. There's a moment where he goes uh, to work with kids for the first yes. time. And he's, the a jungle little, gym. he's a little, you know, iffy about it or whatever, but there's this one kid and they, the kids all suffer from deafness as well. And yeah, there's one kid and they're on a slide and he starts, you know, playing a beat to him and they go, they go back and forth, like trying to repeat it. And it is, that's one of those like instant, just like, oh God, yeah, this is so good. Uh, so many great feels, man. And I, I really do love where it leaves things ultimately i don't want to talk about it. it's a fairly new movie it came out like a week ago for yeah. most people uh so i don't really want to talk about the ending but i thought no perfect you know i like a, a particular type of ending with movies like this and it just it did not disappoint in that aspect um great performance i agree oh. I'm, I'm struggling right now to think i was like did i have a best actor list that you know includes anybody above him i i don't know if it does i got keyed into Riz Ahmed uh, during Nightcrawler, I believe, was the first time I was like, yeah. oh, shit, who's this guy? And again, to stand out in a movie where you have Jake Gyllenhaal doing all that he's doing in oh, Nightcrawler, yes. that says something. And then, like, he popped up in Rogue One. You know, he's in a sea of other stuff going on. So I didn't There's feel some, like he really, like... Huh? The Night Of. The Night Of on was HBO. a huge, you know, I think yeah. a huge get for, like, him getting to stretch his legs a bit. Um Venom, he's the villain, you know, totally yeah. fun villain, whatever. Uh, and I still have never seen it, but the first big thing from him, I believe, is Four Lions, a British comedy about terrorists. Like I think, yeah, I think yes. so. Which I still have not seen and I've heard is brilliant. Uh, but I think that was the first like kind of breakout role for him, and then he's just steadily, you know, mm -hmm. over the years. But yeah, one of the best young actors out there, uh, and this might be his best performance period thus far really really strong stuff i agree i i too loved the sound of metal uh it was my number 12 just outside the top 10 yeah okay. just outside are you thinking of ending things no <laughs> yep hasn't changed uh i've announced it, i don't know how many times on this podcast my number one favorite film of 2020 is charlie kaufman's i'm thinking of ending things uh, adapted from the novel by Ian Reed. It is about a young couple. They've been together for about six months, and they're going to meet the boyfriend's parents. Uh, the girl is Jesse Buckley. The boy is Jesse Plemons. And the parents... <clears throat> they don't want to farm. they got to get to it in the middle of a blizzard. It's Tony Collette. Yep. And uh, Where do I know the dude from? Where do you know the dude from? The husband. The husband, the dad. Where do you know him from? Tell me where I know him from. Where does Gavin know the great David Thewlis from? Well, I would imagine knowing some movies that you've probably had to watch at some point, like myself, Harry Potter, for one. The OG first Harry Potter. Maybe. Or no, he wasn't in the first one. Excuse me, he's Remus Lupin. Okay, maybe. Um, he... Hit me with some others. We had him in Wonder Woman, the first one. Is he the bad guy? Not the main bad guy. That was Danny Houston, right? Yeah. Um, oh my God, what are you... It's David fucking Thulis, dude. Fargo season three. 
Like, hold on. We're pulling up his IMDb. Seriously, like, sell me on something. I don't remember him. And he's just. He's, I know the name. I hear. I know the voice. And just the face is like. Knox Harrington from The Big Lebowski? Okay. Sandra about the Ben Yes, okay. You know, I'm, I'm getting where there. We're just like, who the fuck is this guy? Yeah. That's that's David Thulis. Okay. Um, Sandra about the Ben Ali. <laughs> Forgot. All right. Okay, dude. We are going to start. We're going to just we're gonna take just a little journey. Just do this, dude. Come on. Okay. I'm going to scroll up, and we're going to start with um, what I believe is kind of his breakout role as Johnny in Naked in 1993. From there, we move on. He's in Black Beauty in 1994. Total Eclipse, the Leonardo DiCaprio movie. He is the verse, uh, voice, excuse me, the voice of the Earthworm in James and the Giant Peach. Okay. He's Enon in Dragonheart. Okay. In the Island of Dr. Moreau, he's Ooh. Douglas. Okay. Never saw it. Seven Years in Tibet. Watched it at the Beach House. Yes. Don't remember a goddamn thing there, about it. There you go. Except that pretty guy's in it. Okay. Big Lebowski. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> 2000s are a little weird. 2000s are a little weird. He's in Timeline with Paul Walker. Oh. Uh, he's Professor Lupin in Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Oh, okay. Good. I mean, that is my favorite one. It's the best one. Uh, he's in Kingdom of Heaven, the Ridley Scott one. That's, that's it. No, I just watched Kingdom of Heaven the other he's night. He's hus- Hospitaller. That's who he is in Kingdom of Heaven. Okay, no, I'm saying I just watched that the night before I watched. I'm thinking of end, of ending things. So oh, you watched? Thinking I'm thinking of ending things. How do you think I knew about the blizzard and them going through whatever? Like, you could I mean, have got I, that from the trailer. I know shit. You could have Wikipedia something. How do you think I know they go to their high school? How do you think I know about the janitor? How do you think I know about the infinite Dude, timelines? Don't fucking ruin the movie <laughs> for people. Um. Okay, well, if you're thinking of ending this podcast now that you've heard some spoilers, don't, because Noah's going to lay it on for you. Well, I definitely want to talk to Gavin about it now more in depth, so, I mean, but we also want to talk about some movies that it we didn't haven't make highlighted the cut. yet. Yeah. So, maybe we pause that conversation, and I'll just say, um, I adore Charlie Kaufman. I think he's made probably my favorite singular screenwriter, um, like, just top to bottom, I think he's a phenomenal director, and this is the movie I've seen the most from this year. I've watched it four and a half times. It I, definitely does warrant rewatching over I and over just to get so many love things out of it. Everything about it. Jesse Buckley is my best actress this year, mm-hmm. uh, without question. I would put Plemons up in the conversation for supporting, even though part of you wants to just say they're split leads. I didn't even finish my plot description. They're going to meet his parents at a deserted farmhouse, and yes. And craziness ensues, essentially. And I don't want to spoil that for anybody. And this is a movie that is very polarizing. There's really no middle of the road. Like, ah, I kind of... That's why I'm curious to see, like, how you overall felt about it. Because I feel like it is truly a... You either 100% click with it... It's right in front of Mank. And love it. (laughs) Or... Mank was 15, this was 14. What the hell was that? What was the point? Um, I gotta watch it again before I can see if it moves the needle. Okay. We'll see. Uh... So, yeah, a polarizing number one, but 100% my vibe. It's my number one with a bullet. It's like head and shoulders above okay, everything trench. else on my list. Um, add From Naughty by Nature, number one with a bullet over well, here. All right. I mean, I was thinking more high fidelity, but whatever. Which is probably him referencing Tretch from Naughty by Nature, but I'm just saying. I just remember the cover with him and like a 
black trench coat and a gun. That's a, just been a phrase forever. Though. I know, but like I just think of the movie. You talked about Sycamore covers earlier. Well, there we go. Yeah. Okay. You want to get to the honorable mensch? I guess so. Yeah, that was a real anti-climax for my number one. It's I'm thinking of ending things. It's the fucking best movie of 2020. It's on Netflix. You might have heard of it. If not, check it out. You you might hate it though. Fair warning, you might hate it. I feel like that's a lot of your picks this year. Hey, you might hate it, but I love it. Like that's just the Noah Blanchard story. I'm just being story. honest. Hey, like, dude, I like what I like. And yeah. I like Charlie Kaufman movies. Fair enough. I like dark, bleak, existential comedies um, about the nature of existence and uh, love and loss and getting old and decrepit. And death and all of that sort of stuff. Uh, Synecdoche, New York, also big, big fan, big fan. You like musicals too, don't you? Like Oklahoma, one of your yeah. faves. Dude, did you? We have to talk about it in depth. Okay, okay let's honorable mention time. Okay, go for it. Number eleven. I did a twofer. Oh, you're going descending order. Okay, fine. Number twenty-five. No, 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 no that's better. Let's flip it around. Let's flip it around. Do it. Do it. <laughs> okay. Number eleven. I did a twofer. I watched them back to back. Why a twofer at the 11 slot? Just because it's not 10 and it was close to the top 10. Fair enough. Underwater slash Seaberg. These are your number 11s. Yes. I really enjoyed Underwater because it's a lot. It, I've been on a fucking Cthulhu kick and there's some crazy shit down there. Plus, okay. I mean, you got uh, TJ Miller. You want to throw Happiest Season in there for a three way tie? I have no idea what Happiest Season is. It's on Hulu. Uh huh. It's got Kristen Stewart. Okay. Mackenzie Davis uh-huh. from The Last Terminator okay. and Halt and Catch Fire, which I think you watched. <gasps> That's her name. Yeah, Mackenzie Davis. I fucking love her. So they're lesbians, What? but they're oh, not out. That's it. The, the, the Christmas, they're like going home for the holidays. Yes. I want to watch that. I haven't watched it yet. Okay. okay. Mary Steenburgen? Yes. Allison Brie? That looked funny. It is funny. Okay, and I'm going to watch it. And it's like <laughs> with the best like little tiny Christmas indie movie I've seen in a while. It's okay, great. Well, I've been looking for more Christmas stuff. Well, fucking go watch it. I will, because <laughs> obviously my number 12, I, I rented Fat Man. I don't know if you watched that at all. I missed it. Well, I, you know. I've sent it a group text. Sorry. Missed I got, it. I got to ask mom if she watched it. Okay. It was wild. I liked it. All right. Um... Number twelve, or sorry, that was the Mel Gibson, Walton Goggins, Christmas, Fat Man, Santa, yes, murder, crime, dude, extravaganza. Dude, okay. The idea that the premise is that basically Santa gets a stipend from the government because believing in Santa Claus, and he stimulates our world economy. Christmas makes right. three trillion dollars a year, but. There's a ton of bad kids in the world these days, so he's not making as many toys. He's not meeting his quota. He's handing out more coal. So what does he have to do? He has to take a subsidy from the government and start having his elves make the, make panels for their like airplanes and shit. Meanwhile, this little shit in middle America somewhere gets a lump of coal and hires Walton Goggins to go murder Santa Claus. And that's all you need to know. Watch it. It's worth the little... I think it's probably like a dollar ninety nine rental now with the with oh, your wow. with your code with the discount. It's probably three ninety nine, but it, it was like a dollar something. I rented it, okay. and I, I hope mom watched. I'm gonna have to ask her about it. Okay, I'm just gonna burn through these real quick. That go for it, buddy. Uh, underwater that I paired it with Seaberg about the biopic of Seaberg. Yeah, we're fucking Anthony Mackie's in there again. Okay, really good. How's she I, do with the accent? There is no accent. She's American. Gene Seaberg was born in Iowa. She just happened to move to. France. Is she dubbed in those movies? No, it's her speaking. Okay. It's just she she's American. 
It's, okay. Yeah, it's wild. Um, so plot about well, not, the whole plot of it is about COINTELPRO. I don't know if you've ever gotten any of that stuff like that crazy. No, I know she had a crazy life outside of the movies. Right. Yes. Um, and it is I like 10 years it. after Breathless. So. Okay. And again, I thought Kristen Stewart, I I know people want to pigeonhole her for like the... I feel like we're beyond that at this point. Yeah. I really do. I feel like, I feel like she... No, I think some I, people want to, but like I she's killing say, it. I feel like in general, anyway, that like, you know, pays attention to anything outside of like big tentpole releases... Is mm-hmm. pretty much on board with like her and Pattinson have completely like oh dude shifted the conversation we'll to, around them. We'll get to our Pats way. when I get to my my new to me in twenty twenty segment. Okay, real quick. All right, number twelve was Fat Man. Number thirteen, Birds of Prey. Number fourteen. I'm thinking of ending things. Number... Excuse excuse me. What Birds of Prey or the Fabulous Emancipation of One Miss Harley Quinn? Yes, that was number thirteen. Okay, just wanted to make sure. Right. Uh, Fourteen. I'm thinking of ending things. Fifteen was Mank. Number 16, Hubie Halloween. Fair enough, bro. Number 17, Guns Akimbo. All right. Number 18, Spencer Confidential. Number 19. I like parts of this list. <laughs> number 19, Vivarium. Oh, man. 19? Yeah. Really did not go for that one. That number, would be on my worst list. Number 20, The Lie. We didn't make a worse list. We did. Just to be clear. But Vivarium would be up. Number 20, yeah, no, number 21, Capone. Number 22, The Dark and the Wicked. Number 23. The number 23. Yes. The Always remake. on every list. The remake. <laughs> yes. Um, no, the no, one you guys missed. No. Straight to DVD. Number 23 was... James Carvel. I needed a JC, dude. It was the <laughs> quickest one in my brain. That I don't works. know. Uh, number, 20, <laughs> number 23 was The Invisible Man. Number, I still have not watched that movie. <laughs> it's good, dude. It's so invisible. It, I keep I can't missing even see it. it. Yep, it's not even there. Number 24, Extraction. And okay. Number 25, Blow the Man Down. All right. The Gavin's top twenty-five. Do I have to cut mine to twenty-five? You can do whatever you want. I just I want to mention real quick because <laughs> you, you got whatever you want. I still I'm need to watch it. the quarry. I just need to watch Bloodshot, Peninsula, Becky, the Tax Collector, the Doorman, and Embattled. Oh, the Tax Collector is a total like would have been Gavin's number three. I'm sure <laughs> if I had paid for it, probably so. I remember when I described you, you were like what, David Ayers making what? Oh, I, okay. I got a little. I got a little wood. I got a little mahogany <laughs> with that one. Definitely. Shia's um, doing what? Peninsula. Tattoos are where? Have you heard of Peninsula? <laughs> Peninsula? Yes. That's the Train to Busan it, sequel? Yes. Yes. Okay. And uh, The Doorman. Is Jean Renault? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. I just have to see it just because of that. I don't know if it's going to make a list or not. I just So those see. are your caveats. I need to watch. I need to watch. Yeah. Joffrey. I did have Repossessor on here, but like I'm just going to buy it. So it might retroactively be number one. Just like Mandy Possessor. was. Repossessor. Repossessed with Leslie Nielsen. I'm just kidding. Possessed. <laughs> we were talking about the same. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I Dave like Kronberg. doing them in that order. There we go. Okay. My number 11, just outside the top 10. She Dies Tomorrow from okay. Miss Amy Simons. Available on VOD still. Number 12 was Sound of Metal. Yes. Amazon Prime, just to remind people. Bad Boys for Life was my number 13. Saw that in the goddamn theater. Mm. Number 14. Theatry? What? 
The theater. Theater. The theater. <laughs> okay. I believe I saw Bad number, Boys in the theater. Number 14, Red, White, and Blue. This is also part of Small Axe. It's available on Amazon Prime. That one has John Boyega in it. For okay. that cares. Also has a little cameo from Neil Maskell from uh, Utopia. Oh, okay. Okay. And... Uh, 15? 15, Lover's Rock. Also part of... These are, these are supposed to be flip-flop. Excuse me. Lover's Rock is 14. Red, White, and Blue is below it. Uh, so those are both part of Small Axe. So glad you got it right. Lover's Rock, <laughs> you would fucking dig. Lover's okay. Rock is literally just a house party in the 70s, pretty much happening in real time. And it's fucking great. Okay. Uh, definitely check it out. Highly recommend. Some great music on the soundtrack. My number 16, Wolf Walkers. It's available on Apple TV+. Plus. That's the latest animated film from Cartoon Saloon, the guys who did Secret of Kells and Song of the Sea. So if you like a little bit of uh, Irish Celtic folklore in your animation, a little off the beaten path, lots of heart to it, and just great fun animation, check out Wolf Walkers. If you happen to have Apple TV+, Plus. if you don't, don't worry about it. You know, it's okay, because there's not much else on Apple TV+. Plus. But if you're doing a trial, I highly recommend that that's the best thing on Apple TV as far as movies go right now. Uh, number 17. DC Noir has nothing to do with DC Comics. This is the one from, uh, oh my gosh. It's from Frank Miller. I got it. Go ahead. No, it is from George Cosmatos. I, no, that's not right. That's Panos' father. Right. Oh my God. Don't look it up. Just tell me a name. It no, doesn't it's, matter. It's coming. It's coming to You're me. You're going to get there. Pelicanos, excuse Pelicanos. me. Pelicanos, okay. George Pelicanos, who the works George with David Pelicanos Simon brief. on The Wire, etc. Did what? I said the George Pelicanos brief. Dude, there's... The so, Pelican brief, I'm there's sorry. There's so many times where you throw in these little jokes that I just like blow right past, so when I'm listening back to them, I'm like, oh, that's really funny, okay. but I don't react to them That's fine, the that's why I do it's them. It's great. Yeah, I, they're, it's a they're little like, treat for me. They're like... The when, Pelicanos brief. <laughs> 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 fucking jackass. Okay. It's like when Tarantino would leave one cut for his editor, just for her. Like, right. oh, hey, like, it's just why I do it. <laughs> okay. DC Noir is, it's a noir, a modern noir anthology from George Pelicanos based on a lot of his short stories. And uh, it's great. You would love it. I've told you to check it out. Highly recommend it. Where is it? Uh, VOD. Okay. Cheap rental. Um, fucking Ranch Wilder is in this movie. Oh, my God. As a cop. You gotta see it. Ooh, gotta see it. Plot thickens. Okay. Number 18, Synchronic Saw It in yes. the Theater. Number 19, Come to Daddy. Uh, starring Mr. Elijah Wood and Stephen McCaddy. That was on Amazon Prime. One of the most batshit, wild genre movies I've seen in a long time. Huge recommend. Number 20, Happiest Season. We just talked about it. That's on Hulu. Number 21, The Dark and the Wicked. Saw that one on VOD. To wow, remind people. how did I have that higher than you? Because I saw more movies? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Just taking a yeah. wild guess? Yeah. Because my you list You did not is go to work for a while. That's true. Yeah. That's true. That's just very true. Mm-hmm. Uh, to remind people, Dark and the Wicked, it's the guy who did The Strangers. Um, really fucked up dark horror movie. Enter at your own risk. But we both we both enjoyed it. My number 22 is The King of Staten Island. Yes. Saw it on VOD. Number 23 the number 23 god damn it dude 
too long of a gap. You missed your window. What okay. was I going to do? What do you want me you're to say? You're supposed to come up with a... You're supposed to say the number 23. <laughs> the, number, the remake. The remake. You know, straight to DVD. With John Carpenter. Sorry. Sure. Yeah. John Carpenter. I like James Carville's version I was better, personally. Say, no, no. Personally. John, starring John Carpenter, the Jeopardy winner. <laughs> <laughs> it's who wants to be a millionaire. But who are we kidding? No, John, I'll take who are we kidding? I thought John Carpenter. John Carpenter one who wants to be. I'm a thinking of Ken Jennings. That's what I'm thinking. Of. <laughs> I didn't ask you for a KJ. Okay. KJ. Where are we at? Ken Jennings. I get it. Stop. I get it. I thought Stop you were it. Saying, Just kidding. We have got to. Sorry. We will not let this episode go to three hours. Where movies had barely any footprint this year compared to music or TV. We will not let this episode be longer. Okay, then. Okay? Get to, get to getting, motherfucker. Let's to. do it. <laughs> Number 22. The King of Staten Island already did that. 23. 7,500. Amazon Prime. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Very tense thriller. We talked about it a bit on the podcast. Huge recommend. Best documentary I saw this year. Haven't seen a lot, but my favorite. Number 24. My Octopus Teacher. It's on Netflix. Beautiful nature doc. Really heartwarming. And it'll get you in the feels. My Octopus Teacher. Check it out. Number 25, On the Rocks, the latest from Sofia Coppola that's available on Apple TV+. Plus. Bill Murray and Rashida Jones. I enjoyed it. Not my favorite Coppola, and I'm a huge fan of hers. That's all I really have to say about it. But if you want to hang out with Bill Murray for about an hour, you could do worse. Okay. Number 26, Bad Education. That was on HBO with Hugh Jackman and Allison Janney about a real public school embezzlement scandal. Really good stuff. Top-notch work from Hugh Jackman. Really enjoyed it. Number 27. Saw this one on VOD. Zappa. I need to watch it. Zappa documentary directed by Alex Winter. Oh. Yeah. And it was pretty good. Hard to do a Zappa movie in two hours, period, and try and encompass anything, much less his entire life. It's solid. I also feel like he could have made a two-hour doc on any year or album in the man's career. So take from that what you will. A lot of good talking, or no talking heads, rather. A lot, or no, there are talking heads, but the the clips and the stuff he gets access to, incredible. A lot hmm. of, like, home videos I'd never seen before. If you're even mildly familiar with Zappa or wanting to get into him a bit more, I, I think that's a good starting point. Okay. Number 28, you are getting so restless. You're so ready. I, I, there's no, I stopped at 25. That was nice. You enough. said do whatever you want. Do whatever it's your show. Do whatever you want. <laughs> it's my show. It's the Blanchard Brothers. Right. It wouldn't be a show if we weren't arguing and giving each other face about stuff. All right. 28, Tiger Tail on Netflix from Alan Yang. Good movie. Check it out. 29, also on Netflix, Horse Girl starring Allison Brie. Weird little indie thing psychological thriller sort of it'll fuck with you check okay. it out all right a good pairing with uh the rental which is my number 31 but my number 30 was deerskin the latest from quentin dupier really weird little subversive french horror comedy hmm. uh, about a man who finds a deerskin jacket and just can't quite let it go i know i watched it you watch Deerskin? Yeah. Is it on Prime now? It is on Prime. Free it, on Prime? It's on, well, it, is, it was part of Shudder. Like, I oh, Shutter they picked, picked it, it up. up. Okay, yeah. I saw I saw Deerskin in the theater. In the theater. Okay. Yeah, shortly before lockdown started. Uh, that was like the first week where it was like, I think I saw some people wearing masks going in the theater, but it wasn't a thing thing yet. If that makes oh, dude, sense. I was wearing masks before they told anybody to be wearing them. Yeah, 
I started like the next day. I was like, what the f- that was really weird. I just sat there a whole movie with these guys. Okay. The Rental was my number 31. Uh, number 32 and 33 had a little Sasha Baron Cohen double dip. The Trial of Chicago 7. It's available on Netflix. Had that at 32. Four at subsequent movie film. Of course, it's on Amazon Prime. Number 34. Little indie psychological thriller called Swallow about a girl who likes to swallow things. Hmm. Inanimate objects. It's a real condition, apparently. It's fucked up. Okay? Really fucked up. Like if you try to eat Check a treat and you swallow a baby instead? Yes. Okay. Or, you know, like uh, push pins or Ugh. marbles or well, marbles uh, are okay. toy trucks or like, Ugh. you know, whatever. That is weird. But you're intrigued, right? It's about as intrigued as I am about the, like that Tickle documentary that thing that came Did out. You watch Tickle? No! Dude, Tickle is fucking I don't know. I don't, know I don't know if I can handle it. Oh my god, it's I'm so afraid, good. dude. I've heard so many people talk about I like... I love Tickle, man. Okay. What a journey. Yeah. What a journey. Check Jesus. out that movie. I think it's on... I think like Shudder has that or HBO. I don't HBO know picked it. It was an HBO thing. Yeah. Okay. Number 35, Alex Weedle. That is the fourth in the uh, Small Axe series. Haven't seen the fifth one yet. Waiting on it. 36, An American Pickle on HBO Max. Seth Rogen. I got literally zero complaints. I enjoyed it. It was fun. 37, Freaky. Just saw that in the theater uh, just recently. Fun time. You know what? That Vince Vaughn. Pretty fucking funny when he wants to be. Vince Vaughn is an FBI agent in Seaburg. Interesting. That's my only problem with that movie. The fact that Vince Vaughn is CIA? No, the <laughs> fact that they make a sympathetic FBI character is to almost you said like FBI, a, and I definitely said CIA. Excuse me. That's the thing. Like, who? Okay, COINTELPRO got brought to light when they broke into that that field office in California, and they basically told everybody, "Your government's spying on you." But it's like the FBI doesn't do that anymore. But fucking the NSA and the CIA totally do that. Still, they just no one's caught them doing it yet. That's all. Yeah. It's just switched agencies. That's all it is. But they make a sympathetic character. Be like, well, this is terrible. We shouldn't be doing this. And it's like, there was never a guy there that (laughs) That felt that that. way. Right. Like, it was a fucking order from Hoover on down. Like, follow the bitch. Make her life crazy. That's what it was. Plain and simple. By the way, sorry. You took us down a little political sidetrack for a second. You mentioned Hoover. I've been telling you you need to watch Nixon. Uh The Oliver Stone director's cut because mm-hmm. it might be better than jfk and i fucking love it and i feel like it's underrated somehow so don't watch guess, j edgar guess who play, please don't <laughs> guess who plays j edgar hoover in oliver stone's movie billy credit fucking bob hoskins what bob hoskins, jesus dude. christ cast man. is so stacked you have no idea dude jesus we gotta do that on a retro review okay Hey, did I take I'm almost that? done. 38 oh, Tesla. 38 and you're almost done. 38 Tesla. One the of whole... my spots says to watch. So technically it's not 33. It's only 32 spaces. And these are movies I didn't even see. 38 is Tesla. Uh-huh. It might be on Amazon Prime now, but yeah, I watched I've, I've seen it pop up there. Uh, Rebecca, the unnecessary Rebecca adaptation from Ben Wheatley. Ben, I can't wait to see your quarantine horror movie. Rebecca did not do it for me. Just watch Becky with... uh... Number 40, The Devil All the Time on Netflix. Had some issues with it as well. You might enjoy it for the the Pattinson of it all. Mm -hmm. And uh, Tom Holland as well, who's very good in it. But it is what it is. My number 41 was The Way Back. 
with Ben Affleck, which came out way back in February of this year. Saw it in the theater. And the last movie I saw in the theater chronologically in this list, and the very bottom of this particular list, at the 42 slot, is Christopher Nolan's Tenet. That was the whole point to get get through all of those. All of those movies are better than Tenet. Every single one of them ringing endorsement to before you spend the $20 to buy or rent or whatever it's available to do right now. I thought you were just doing it as a nice homage to Chadwick Boseman. Yes, and also in honor of Chadwick Boseman. That's why. And perfect segue. Thank you so much, brother. My need to see movies that I would list as caveats. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, which mm-hmm. comes out on Friday. Cannot wait for it. One of the It got few- pushed because a lot of people are saying, like, oh, it was out. And I'm like, no, it's not available yet. It came out in theaters to uh, do limited run. Okay. And now it's it comes to Netflix on Friday. Oh, okay. I can't wait to watch it. Viola Davis is Ma Rainey. Mm-hmm. And this is the rare August Wilson play that I have not only read, but also done a college paper on, which I got an A- minus on for my blues and jazz narratives course. Uh, oh golly so i was excited when they announced it. i was like i fucking know that play i've read that play and then they announced the cast and i was like so this might be the last chadwick boseman performance he's gonna win an oscar spoiler alert if he's even it's one of those like you could put anybody in this role with the way it's written on the page and you they would like leap out of the movie to you but then when i heard it was chadwick boseman i was like dude people aren't ready for this shit it's gonna be i cannot wait Comes out on Friday. Other big caveats. Nomadland, the latest from Chloe Zhao, uh, starring Francis McDormand. I can almost guarantee that that would have cracked my top ten. Uh, her movie The Rider from two years ago. This is the one where she like incredible. loses her home and husband and has to go on the road yep. kind of deal and thing. She's just she's just wandering. She's a fucking yeah. nomad. Yeah. And she comes, she finds those three billboards later on. Outside right? Ebbing, Missouri. Yeah, yeah, she stops there and checks those out. Mm-hmm. She sure does. But she finally makes it to Fargo, North Dakota, right? Yes. That's her destination. Yes. All right, just make sure. I watched Fargo last week. By I'm way. sure you did. It's on Netflix, by the way, if anybody's in the mood. I just finished season four. I always I watch it after every season ends. Because you got to go back to you got to you got to go back to center. I guess. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. So Nomadland, and then I. Oh, Minari is the other big one with Stephen Yun. Uh, which looks incredible, and hmm. a lot of people were able to see, I believe, at a festival hmm. early part of last year. Uh, this year, still, I keep thinking we're like, normally we do these episodes in January right. most of the time, but this is the weird year where it's like, dude, I don't know that we're going to get like a deluge of, of new movies all of a sudden, and it's not well, like we're getting listen, the traditional I, like Christmas rollout of stuff. I, for know? one, am upset because I feel like, Kid Cudi just listened to our music thing. Was like, oh, it's out. I'm not on it. I'm gonna drop. I'm upset my as a Drake song. What? Oh, I'm upset you as a Drake I'm... song. <laughs> you said I'm upset and started talking about Kid Cudi. And I was like, I'm no, just hold Drake on. Song. I'm going home. It'll be fine. <laughs> I'm sorry. I have a list I want to read to you that I would like to read, not so much to you, but to the two people that are still listening this far into this episode that was not supposed to go on very long. Yeah. These are films that I found myself or that were thrust upon me this year that I <laughs> that me. were not made this year, like but are worth Alex DeLarge, like getting the 
bring an eyeball machine attached to you, dude. Like, what? Okay. Yeah. But I think you should watch them. Okay, I'm going to start from the bottom, and then now we're and here. And we'll be here? Yeah. <laughs> I want this shit forever, man. Just listen to me. Gemini Man. I watched it. You would like it. You should watch it. We already it. talked about it. I know. Move it's, along. All right. The Beach Bum. You should watch it. We talked about it earlier this year. It's not made this year. You should listen to it. I know, but we talked about how... It's new to me, Noah. (laughs) The film is new to me. I had to get this voice in, and I'm doing it now. ultimate, though, where it's just like, you all of a sudden saw it one week, and you're like, dude, have you seen this fucking beach bomb? Dude, I fucking loved it. Yeah. Spring Breaker. Anyway, if you haven't seen Spring Breakers, I believe. Yes. I would recommend Spring Breakers, head and shoulders above the beach bum, but the beach bum's a fun time. Yeah. Um, Good Boys. Came out last oh, that's year. That's the the cursing little kids. Yeah, it's, it's pretty Haven't good. Haven't seen it yet. Pretty good. Um, nineteen seventeen technically came out last year. I recommend that to people. Um, if you haven't seen, talking about the movie that was nominated for best picture and made like over three hundred million dollars at the box office and was a huge theatrical event that a lot of people are aware of. It didn't come out in twenty twenty. Came out twenty nineteen. Who are you recommending it to at this point? Because I told you at the time, I will never watch this movie again. I'm not going to watch it at home for the heck of it. Okay. It was a singular one-time experience that was very good. Uh, I'm saying people should watch it in their home and cry that they didn't get to see it in a theater. Because they probably would have been able to if theaters not shut down. Because they would have done a re-release. Anyway. um, Booksmart. Okay. Okay. Solid. Loved it. I've talked about it. It's on Hulu. It is. That's how I saw it. Trying Um, to help people figure out where they can. I appreciate that. Okay, when you're done with Booksmart, go find something, a little, little movie called Uncut Gems. You need to watch that movie. That was one that was thrust upon me Where's from Uncut year. Gems? What? Why, it's on over on Netflix, brother. Oh, thanks, Noah. You're welcome. I'm so glad you're here to tell us this. Um, that's the number two thing. If you have to go find something that wasn't made in 2020 to watch, you're just itching for something that wasn't made in 2020, go watch The Peanut Butter Falcon. Hell yeah. Ringing endorsement on everything you've just right. said. And the number one thing that was new to me in 2020... That you're never going to find a watch because Noah has the only copy. It's the fucking Long Good Friday. It's the best fucking <laughs> movie that I wasn't thrust upon me. I was, I, just, it was, it was dropped on me like. This is your, hold the phone. This is, you, this is number one. This is the number one thing that I saw in 2020 that was not from 2020 that I have to recommend to people head and shoulders because, partly because, I don't know where they're going to find it. They're going to have to pay a lot of money for a Blu-ray. But it is like the best fucking thing not made this year. You better try and shit $400. Because if you're going to tell me that To Live and Die in L.A. is not your number one favorite movie you saw in 2020, I'm going to call bullshit. So either shit $400 right now or tell me, call me a liar. Noah. You like it more than The Long Good Friday. And I'm not fighting you. I just want to clarify for the listeners. You didn't even mention To Live and Die in L.A. I didn't because I forgot about it. I've I've had a lot of stuff thrust upon me. It's been a tenuous year. I had a lot of two-by-two retro reviews. I know. Were you were you not on a gay cruise? <laughs> I forget, dude. Okay, fine. That is one of the best, like, standalone Joey lines ever. Were you? Were you not? 
Fine. We'll do, you know, twofer. We'll do, we'll do both number one. They can exist on the same Those plane. Those by far the two best 2 by 2 retro review episodes. Yes. The best rewatch experiences for me as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved sharing them with you. Oh, my God, dude. Yes. I, 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 got, I mean, I, listen, I'd even put on the, the, the Killing of a Chinese Bookie was up there as well. I just forgot. I, I knew there'd be more to think about. Killing of a Chinese Bookie was a new yeah. one for me uh, just, this year. There's just a ton of stuff that, like... I don't know. I we got definitely got to keep the retro rewatch stuff going because it's just. I mean, fucking night moves, night moves, fucking Cutter's way, dude. Like fucking you, fucking dude. You hit it out of the park with movies this year. We talked about Hoskins. I saw Mona Lisa for the first time. Yeah, I need to watch. I need to catch that great movie. Let's just do the pest of Mona Lisa. We can if you want to. All right, January first. Pairing is there, but we'll figure it out. Uh, hello. Liguizamo worked with Bob Hoskins and Mario Brothers. This was fun. Hold on a second. I want to get in on it. Okay. (laughs) Hey. If I have to pick my top three new... Go ahead. You're working for me now. Go. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I had to get a to live and die in LA line. Okay. If I had to pick a top three, did not come out this year, but I saw for the first time this year. The category is new to me in 2020. Come on. New to me in 2020. (laughs) My number three, Mona Lisa. Yes. Directed by Neil Jordan, starring Bob Hoskins. Great, great movie. Loved it. Number two, The Third Man, directed by Carol Reed, starring Orson Welles and Joseph Cotton. Still my car. I gotta watch it. And my number one, and this honestly trumps everything... The best movie I saw all year, you can take, I'm thinking of ending things out of conversation here. The best movie I saw all year is Tokyo Story. Yeah, I was going to say, I was figuring that was Kuro Ozu. Yeah. Fucking. You were about to cry last time you talked to me about oh it. Oh so my like, God, and I'm just thinking about it now. It's just the best, man. Just like literally one of like the best movies I've ever seen in my entire life. Absolutely earth shattering. Still have not gotten over it and have not worked up the nerve to watch it again. <laughs> incredible, incredible stuff. But yeah, but I could do that like every year and basically like, yeah, if I rewatched it, it's probably the best movie I saw all year. So maybe that'll encourage you to go watch it. I don't know. Okay. Is that it? I mean, you got Tokyo Story. You got no complaints. complaints. Is that it? I think it is. Is I think we did it. This was the the last pot of the year. I think so, man. Is this how we're ending things? I don't know. Because I'm thinking... Then maybe we should do something else. I mean, should we? We've got time. No, we really don't. No. Uh, it is quite late. Holy fuck, it's late. I gotta... I Not was, today. I meant like another podcast like no, I know before the mean. year is. I was just thinking in my head. I'm like, it's almost 2 a.m. And I was totally going to try and finish Euphoria. It's 2 a.m. I called it Euphoria. It's I'm Utopia. I'm totally going to try and finish uh, Utopia tonight. The British series, not the Amazon one. So well, maybe we should wrap this up. So we should do that. Okay. Uh, this was the year of film mm-hmm. in 2020. Yep. It was a weird one. Definitely. It was a good one though. And I, I think by and large, I didn't tally them up, but it's like a neck and neck race between Netflix and Amazon prime for my mind share right now. Mm-hmm. Um, which you'll come to know when the bullet hits the bone. Noah, I was, you said 2am. I was making a, 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 a twilight zone joke. Let's keep rolling. Um, yeah, Amazon, Netflix, the battle continues for our eyeballs. Yeah. You're going to be on one of them. 
I feel like Hulu's just barely, barely catching up for third place. But Max that, is about to take that it FX over. FX stuff, though. That's, yeah. that's what counts. Yeah, but on Max, that front. I feel like but Max. But Hulu on the movie front, they get they they were doing a nice steady stream of indie movies and getting them early, like early into their home mm-hmm. video life. Yeah, but that obviously has dropped off quite a bit. I mean, they had Palm Springs this year, huge mm-hmm. acquisition. They had Happiest Season in the holiday season. Great pull as well. Uh, but yeah, but I haven't, you know, we'll see. They're yeah. definitely in third place right now. But I don't know who's, I, I Netflix might be still the number one slot. But I do love Prime's content so much. And they had a lot of good movies this year. I mean, Vasta Knight kind of trumps everybody yeah. for like, they gave that guy a chance. Like, come on, man. Like, I love you guys for doing that. I want to know who, because again. It's Bezos. It's not, though. That's the thing. You know he has nothing to do with those decision I need to know who's actually in charge of the streaming video acquisition side of things. Because I know he does not have anything to do with the day-to-day of that. But whoever's in charge... I know they're not there anymore, but whoever let Refn make Too Old to Die Young, I want to know what they're running now, you know, where that decision making has gone in the creative world. I want Hmm. to know who who that person is. So I need to do a little research. So are you just trying to add one more person into like who actually makes the thing or what? What? Well, you said that like, oh, is it a director that does it? Is it the writer? Is it the actor's? Is it the guy who writes the check and greenlights the stuff? Like, is he well, the guy? The, that... the guy who writes the check is, you know, clearly influenced by the pitch or whatever. This is a whole other conversation. Let's we, get meta, bro. We frankly don't have any more goddamn time for <laughs> no, it. No, we don't. So, uh, it's been a wild year, people. We, we, you might hear from us before the year is over. We don't know. We have... theoretically, this is the last pod. We got some exciting stuff planned for January in general. Yeah. We've talked it's about be a it. Jam-packed January. It's going to be exciting. Um, if you have any thoughts on our year-end list, uh, any recommendations of your own, let us know. Thearchivy at gmail.com. You can shout at us on Instagram at Thearchivy Network, on Twitter at Thearchivy, or on Facebook. Just search Thearchivy. Gavin handles the Facebook. I handle the Instagram. And Mr. Sunshine Mayfield, our good friend, uh, handles the Twitter. So respond to those things accordingly. Uh, I want to say a... a, a very sincere thank you to anybody who listened to any of our content this year. There's a lot of stuff vying for your attention and a lot of uh, a lot of internal reasons to just be like, fuck it, I want to focus on this thing or that thing and kind of tune out everything. So if if we had all helped you like take a break from all all of the shit of this year. We tried. We were trying to be um, funny the entire time. Yeah, we, we hope we gave you some laughs, uh, some solace here and there. We hope we did not bore you with all of these two and a half hour episodes. If you want us to trim them down, uh, let us know. Definitely write in about that. If you uh, just want us to stick to the bits and the comedy, probably going to be kind of hard. We're yeah, not that funny. We, no, the episodes we, will get a lot shorter. Yes. I will tell you that. Like f- 15 uh, minute clips. Yeah. But it. seriously, uh, anybody who listened this year, thank you very much. Anybody who's listened in years past, obviously. If you if you only check in with us at the end of the year to see what we thought, we still appreciate you. And, and thank you for... Uh, Taking the time to listen to our our little show, even if it is a, even if it's a hate listen, I appreciate that. I'm uh, glad dude, you did, I, dude. Again, we've talked about this at some point. Maybe we got to go really polarizing, and right? Gotta, you just got to embrace the haters. You do, yeah. I don't want to be those guys, but I don't want to either. But I do like it when you read me celebrity sex scandals. That's pretty fun. Okay, I'll try and bring something uh, 
more news based, more as it's happening. Maybe we don't take like two weeks enough. for things. I feel like there's enough of that. Okay. <laughs> two week takes, is that it? Know. We'll find that. That's a new segment. We'll find that niche. <laughs> Year five, we'll find that We're niche. We're gonna hit our stride. We'll I can't that wait. Niche, baby. Okay. Uh uh again, we may be back. I don't know. I don't want to make any promises. And we might be giants. <laughs> Sorry. Jesus Christ, so, brother. It's getting Episodes late. Episode's definitely over now. Uh, I have been Noah. I've been... Hang on. You've been Noah. I love you, brother. I've been Gavin. I love you, listeners. And, I mean, you've been listening to what we've been watching. Right? Sure. Nothing. Is that f- not fancy enough to write out You've on? been listening to what we were watching, watching. in 2020. Yep. Yeah. We're the Blanchard Brothers, just to remind you. Yeah. In case you forgot. I'm Gavin. He's Noah. We'll catch you next year, folks. We hope to God that 2021 won't be any worse than 2020 was. Yes. But one and thing, we look forward to all those sweet, sweet Warner Brothers movies going to be streaming in the eyeballs. <laughs> Where is, who is that? Screaming in the streaming in the Cajun Warner Brothers. The oh, forgotten is Cajun J- Warner Brothers. Is that James Carvel from the number 23 <laughs> remake you, you just made? I don't know, but it is now. All right. <laughs> Love you. Uh, hello there. Uh, great year. <laughs> solid year of podcasting with you, brother. I love you. Uh, no. We're gonna we're gonna ride in to the holidays in style, and then we're gonna be back with a vengeance in January with a lot of cool, fun stuff. Please stay tuned. Uh, and because uh, we're Blanchard Brothers for life. Get it? You're doing the vengeance. And we thing. ain't going, going nowhere. Oh my God. We ain't going nowhere. We can't be stopped now. Because it's Blanchard Brothers for life. life.